0: There's a, is that a bad clap? Hold on. Perfect too, clap. No, it's too many. Now you have to decide between those four.
1: <laughs> Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep, a podcast that is ostensibly about movies. I am your host, Alex Falken. recording. From North Koreatown, Los Angeles, this show is supported, as always, by our fabulous Meat Buddies. If you want to join our Patreon campaign and help keep us limping down the tracks, go to metreon.com. And we really appreciate everybody who supports the show. We've got a a poll up for the Meat Buddies currently about our uh, December Ezra credit movie. So you can get in there and vote on that and help decide at least a couple hours of my life in the month of December. Uh, before, I, well, that's enough Let's, Let me introduce you to my panel, we have such a great panel today First up, he is no longer suffering from tired blood He's in Southeast Portland It's Mr. Anthony
2: Lopez uh, Hold on, I'm going to pause for dramatic effect I'm going to tap my brow Yeah, don't mop, dab. Don't mop, tap, dab my brow I'm going to look up I'm going to say, it's great to be here, Alex Nailed it, yes <laughs> Very dramatic Very good, Very dramatic, dramatic. dramatic podcasting
1: uh also joining us today he's at hun bun on letterboxd uh from the woods of arkansas he's a very disruptive young man it's mr hunter donaldson what
3: is hello <laughs> good yeah you you get it you yeah are very familiar with it yeah, i i know about it i know about the shows and stuff
1: yeah um oh that reminds me of a question that i'm gonna ask you andy in a second let me make sure i make a note um actually i'll just say this now before i forget can you ask the questions wrong like did they say like instead of saying like who is for a person, could you say, like, from whence is Santa Claus?
0: <laughs> why is Santa Claus?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you said, why is Santa Claus? Like, it's taking the form of a question. Would they be okay
0: with that? I bet they would. I think it's purely a formality.
1: Yeah. I think it would be annoying. Yeah, in fact, they could probably really, the the whole question-answer thing, it doesn't feel like it actually is, like, important to them.
0: Not at in all. In the
1: way they phrase. Because if you answered questions the way Alex is ostensibly answering the question, like, it's, who it's is insane. Santa Claus? And then he's like... In in this yeah. Man, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: what an annoying person he would be in real life if that's how he was well i've uh, always thought of it as like do you know certain shows you see this a lot with podcasts like they start off with like a gimmick that they're really proud of and by the time they're doing uh-huh. it five ten yeah. years later they're like yeah. yeah yeah we started doing that we were really into it but we don't like yeah. the title kid. doesn't even
3: make any sense anymore because they've like yeah. gotten away from like what the show was about yeah, yeah in, possibly even though there's, they've cycled through
1: seven different gimmicks in that time. Yeah, possible. It's,
2: it's it's like that. I imagine, you know, very early on, Merv Griffin would kick down the door to the producer's room if he didn't say it. But now I just, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so let me bring in our, our special guest for the day. A writer originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan, whose four-day cash winnings totaled $93,999. It's Mr. Andy
0: Wood. I'll take hello for 2000, Alex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, you are the co-host of the very smart and delightful podcast, Probably Science, which I've been listening to for years. And we um, recently and a guest on. Thank you. You were great. And I was recently a guest on, yeah, where I got to talk to you about Jeopardy. We got this whole thing started. I was lucky enough to be on right before your episodes aired. And then I just finished listening to your episode after your Jeopardy aired, where you even talked to the person who bested you.
0: Yeah, I hope that's not a conflict of interest. It's like if Her- Herbert Stemple had a podcast and then had Charles Van Doren I, on. The I mean, it week. would be a very good sportsman
1: of Herbert's uh, to do that, because uh, it seems like you could have been meaner to him. And then you were. Um So you can check out Probably Science, probably dot com. Um, and we but we have you on because as people uh, may have gathered already, you just a couple weeks ago finished up a five day run. On Jeopardy. Congratulations
2: um, again. Incredibly
1: well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I talked to you when you couldn't tell me what happened. Uh, so uh you played it very close to the vest. And so I don't mean to say I I hope it wasn't insulting how surprised I was that you won that much, but it's because of your ability to not let on. I was I was like oh I was assuming either zero or one day win just were the two options. It didn't even occur to me that you would be nearly a champion. champion.
0: <laughs> like you were. So coy, holy cow! I mean, I didn't want to mess up my chances of uh, this is this is how much a network can can control you. I guess uh, mm-hmm. they told us not to say anything, and I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, I? you did. I
2: I, have, uh, I uh I said a few questions. I have just been bugging me since I I watched it. Uh That just yes. just real technical stuff like how sure. many? So five episodes. How many days of filming was that? One day. You did all of them? Okay, because my my wife and I were sitting there watching it, trying to judge by your wardrobe how many days it had been. So you, know, you,
1: he told me a fun fact. So tell uh, about your wardrobe. So how did how did you manage your wardrobe, Andy?
0: Well, I did a bad job of it. I don't have. I'm not a clothes guy. I've been living in the desert all year in, in flip flops and shorts. Um, yeah, so you're, a, you're had, a surfer. You're a shirt off kind of guy. Yeah. Um. So I had to like hastily. I had to make a trip to Nordstrom Rack and just get like $600 worth of stuff, which at Nordstrom Rack gets you th- 30 items of clothing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, you should have just worn your wetsuit and been like right? it's a suit yeah. it's right there in the name. They, they really said suit, you have right. to dress
0: as if you're being interviewed. It's a work interview, so I could have been being interviewed for a fro- frogman job. It's possible. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, I'm
1: yeah. Uh, I'm interviewing to do uh, deep sea welding. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: D- dress for the job you want, not the to, uh, to, yeah. to, to yeah, create yeah. the joke.
1: Because uh, all of the auditions I've gone to, or like all of the job applications I've done, have been pretty cash. And
2: so my favorite thing about watching this, so I had mentioned this, I believe, off air last week, uh, but. I have never watched an episode of Jeopardy before. Wait, I, what? It, yeah, it's so, it's like one of those things. Like, I know all the rules to it. Like, my wife, who has watched, would ask me questions about, like, what happens next. And I, I could tell her, like, I know everything about the show through osmosis and seeing it in yeah. movies I, and it's like I
1: think I said this joke last week to you as well but I believe you've watched an entire episode of Jeopardy inside of the movie Groundhogs day but yes, that's it
2: exactly and it's <laughs> it's one of those things that it's just like a a constant staple uh, that I, I I find very comforting that it's I've on, watched a lot of
1: celebrity jeopardy
2: yeah but on just, SNL yeah but I've just never actually watched the whole uh, a full episode before and I found it uh, it was really fun, especially knowing someone who was on it, definitely rooting for you. And But my favorite thing about watching it, uh, I, something I noticed with you, was your first episode and by your last, your comfort with the button, mm-hmm. uh, the clicker button. Uh, you got so good at that in terms of like when I noticed like your first episode on, you would like, and you would see this with a lot of people who was their first episode, just like mashing the button really fast. By the because and by the time you're on it, uh, like a few episodes, you're very good at like just hating it once. You know what I mean? Did well, you think about that kind
0: of funny? You should stuff? funny. You should mention that because the the exact opposite was the case. Actually, I was awful. <laughs> really, I was. By by day, it varied whether I was good or bad on the button. Like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I was awful. Tuesday and Thursday, I was better, at least compared to the other contestants. Like you can go on the fan sites, and they are. The, <laughs> Jeopardy fans are like baseball fans. They're probably, they're on the the spectrum slightly. And yeah, very statistics oriented. So they keep track of who is, uh, how many first ins you get. And I had half as many as Charlie on the last day. I think Charlie, having sat in the audience watching all four episodes before that, probably gained an advantage uh, on learning a bit about the timing because when you buzz in, if you're early, you're locked out. And if you're late, you don't get in. And you don't know which of those happened to you because they don't give you yeah, a, a signal I, I showing Anthony that Hunter, it's early. As,
1: as video game people, I want you to think about this a little. Like, I want to go a little bit into this, how this button works, which they yeah. call the pickle because they're terrible. So um, uh, was it Ken Jennings who said it's a one-button video game with a trivia aspect?
0: Yeah, he said it's is first what... and foremost a bad button-based video game and secondly a <laughs> trivia game, which is Ken Jennings' words, not mine. So I'm just yeah, a yeah. well, literally quoting it, him. Great quote. But like – so.
2: That's funny because you know there's a thing in in game like competitive gaming in that like you age out really fast because oh. as, as you get yeah, older young the man tendon, uh, the mm-hmm. ten- and it's and it's not literally like a um, necessarily a skill thing it's as much as like the tendons in your finger slowly degrade once you start like go over the age of twenty. So you literally just can't click the buttons as fast as a young man can. Yeah, they will always have an advantage. That's why like in professional gaming, if it's like a game that involves like mental strategy, like fighting games, um that have like almost like a chess aspect to it, like those older people can compete in. Right, right. But it's just like so I wonder if there is like a you know, as a
1: But jeopardy is like an old man's game generally. It, so yeah, it, yeah so true. By but, the time you get on it, you've already lost a lot of that fast twitch. But but Andy, explain for them for the gentleman how does the button Like When do you ring in? How is that decided? Because this is one of the craziest parts to me.
0: Yeah. So I always thought the same thing you did watching at home, Anthony. When I see somebody who's furiously buzzing in, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Don't keep pressing. But the producers tell you, once you've started pressing, there's no reason not to keep pressing. So keep pressing. Do it a ton of time. Because (laughs) if if you come in early, you're locked out, but not for the entire question. Locked out for a fraction of a second. And you can't buzz in until Alex has finished Reading the the, ant, the clue, and that's determined by an employee who determines the clue is over. They do something that makes the uh, board, you know, that, ma- that, that that opens up the buzzers. So and what at you're that time, is there's, there's another a buzzer? It.
2: There's
0: a, well, yes. a,
2: yeah, yes, yes. an employee so, yeah. buzzer that someone yes. has. Right, okay. super there's, there's a
0: lot more to this. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. obviously you can't buzz in before they do, or you're locked out for a split second. But if you buzz in early and you're locked out, you might as well keep going because when you're unlocked out, if no one else has buzzed in, then you would get in. But again, when you're early, you don't have any feedback telling you you were early. So you know nothing except that you weren't called on. So if you're early, you're locked out. He presses some bus, he does, he does something to determine it's now playable. When that happens, two rows of lights on the side of the board you can't see at home are illuminated. So the producers tell you you can try to listen to the cadence of Alex's speech and try to like, you know, if if you're if you if you shared a mind with that producer, you would have an advantage over everyone else because waiting to waiting for a light and then reacting to it is has a built-in delay that's just inherent in any did, human. So did you
1: get to meet this producer. Do you know who no, it is? No whose idea. Life is deciding when Alex is done talking.
0: I don't know. And also, I, I got a feel weird job. I'm sure they've been there decades because. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm. Sure, like, I've heard Ken was amazing on the buzzer. You know, I, I'm guessing if it was a, suddenly a different employee, it might not be the case that Ken is great. At the, like maybe he is also just right. learned to listen uh, the same way that person is listening. Um, but then again, I asked Charlie afterwards because by, by the end of that week, I'd had so many inconsistent days. And, and again, no if you just had one five-minute practice session to to, no, and they, they would tell you if you're early or late, then you could calibrate what you're doing. But mm. it's possible I was early the whole time but convinced I was late. So I started going earlier and earlier and getting myself even more <laughs> or the opposite. I have no idea. All I know is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I was awful on the buzzer. And then I asked Charlie on our podcast what he did, and he said he just speed read the question and then stared at one of the lights in the row and only thought about that. And I'm so like, he okay. didn't even
1: listen to Alex. He just did his own reading and then played a
0: light response time game. Yeah, so it's just if I get in the tournament of champions, that's all I'm going to do. Because I mean, I was also I would also read the question quickly and be like, okay, I know it now. It's a waiting game. And on Friday, there was a string of literally eight questions in a row that I knew the answers to and couldn't get in on. And I'm just like, ah. I, how do I? Because really, the game—you know—most players who've gotten to that level, uh, this is my guess, but like if you opened up the whole board for an individual to play, I bet everyone on that show would get over seventy percent of the questions. Mm-hmm. So I bet, I bet higher. But it's just so much about that buzzer, and you have to—I guess—you have to decide a strategy and, and stick with it. And I—I I, I never had one strategy. I was just always like, I don't know, how about now? Because uh, I was just afraid of waiting but for the you, light, because I thought so, it'd be too late. I, on your fifth game, you've been there for like. How Like a full day, You've yeah. Been playing, I was and, up and at and four a.m. My legs going numb from sciatica. I had back surgery a year earlier, so by this Jesus time Christ. it's like four thirty. I've been standing wow. up for five and a half hours. And, and just the also, adrenaline, it's like,
1: yeah. The adrenaline, the mental intensity of this thing, the focus, and you're, I'm sure there is some nerves uh, attached to the fact that all of a sudden you're hearing this dollar amount that is a little bit silly. And no, so
0: actually by that time I really like the first game was all ego like I really just didn't want to embarrass myself <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I wanted
0: to you know prove that a life of bar trivia wasn't waste whatever it's just all yeah, about like, yeah. ego I was and so as as it came to a close I was like I did fine I I didn't get I got one question wrong I just didn't get to buzz in a lot I got a daily double I got, I got the final jeopardy right like I, I you can see on my face maybe you can't but I was just like I'm going to lose my first game but I I performed fine, so I was very okay with it. And then it was just a complete shock when – Uh, the leader didn't have the final Jeopardy answer. So then, but then after that, I was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened in my life. I won on Jeopardy. I don't care what happens the rest of the day. So Mm, the rest of the day, I was just trying to have fun, but also just like having to run back and forth between buildings, you have like 10 minutes between games and the green room isn't in the Jeopardy building because of COVID. It's on the Wheel of Fortune stage. So you have to run with (laughs) Jimmy from the Blue (laughs) Crew is running you across the, the studio. And then like everyone's very like, impatient with you to get changed and there's also no wardrobe person my clothes are just lying in a pile on an audience oh. chair in the ill fortune stage and right like, oh, so just i just thought to your, was
1: gonna your clothes anecdote from earlier so you bought all these clothes and then you just like if i need to cut the Tag off another suit jacket, I will.
0: Yeah, I cut the tags off nothing, and I said I'm going to return all these if I don't use them. But you know, <laughs> and so each game you won, you
1: had to go cut new tags off because so, you had and uh, you had the money, so it was well, fine. I
2: mean, did you get to like after the first game where you like, well, I don't want to change because this is my lucky blazer now? No, but you yeah. aren't
0: allowed. They they force you can't wear the same thing because otherwise it looks like it's the same day. They want it to look like gotcha. a so
2: They force I, you to. Yeah.
0: So they they make everyone bring four changes of clothes in case you're on five games. And I just like I was like I don't I don't like clothes I don't want to think about them so I'm going to overbuy and I'm sure someone on the show while I'm while I'm on the show is going to then look through them and pick out which ones to wear and steam them not the case pile of clothes oh, no. Andy go to it and then one of the games Jimmy from the Clue Crew is having to help me cut all the tags off this uh, <laughs> jacket because jackets you forget how many weird things are on yeah. jackets the lapels are sewn together yeah, in the yeah. back like all these things oh I- yeah
1: you're you, the whole time you were doing Jeopardy your pockets were still sewn shut probably right. oh yeah like- of
0: course yeah but it's just I- like, he was he was literally like. He has to he's usually the guy who does clue video clues, but they aren't shooting on location right now. So he's doing contestant coordination and Amazing. like he's trying to hasten my change. And then also like he has a pair of scissors and is just like cutting these things off. <laughs> it's just the funniest <laughs>
2: I want to ask you a few more questions about, especially yeah. something you said, you said about how like you went in with like sort of not, not like too much strategy. I-, I was curious about like,
0: no, I went in with you... lots of strategy on betting. Just not, I-, I had no idea how to do the buzzer. Okay, yeah. But, like, I, do, the I do recommend so for those of you at home, listen
1: to the probably science episode from last week with the guy who beat you because you guys went deep on betting strategy and well, the, the cyber metrics of jeopardy.
2: That's what I wanted to ask. So did you yeah. go in thinking, knowing like I'm good? Cause you, you know, you kind of this, I'm not sure how often this phrase is said, but you said it a lot about like, I'm going to make it a true daily double. Like, did right. oh, You yeah. walk yeah. in with that. Every time that if I get that, I'm going to go full tilt every time. Like, was that like well, a strategy? You so you, you
0: said you don't, you don't watch in jeopardy, but are you aware of James Holtzauer?
2: Uh, no. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh Anthony. Okay. you're going to learn about
1: the man who changed the game. Yeah.
0: So okay. there was, there was a, uh, I'm trying to think of who would be analogous in a different sport. Um, i don't know roger banister i don't know that's not a great somebody who I changed mean, maybe a little
1: like steph curry who made everybody shoot threes okay uh, like push know, the average shot
0: back because of what a good defender he was or because no no no,
1: no. he just shot so many threes that basically i, I don't know if this, i don't know the nba close enough but i do know that over like the last 10 years if you look at the shot map on an nba court uh-huh. they've basically moved way closer to the hoop or all past the three-point line because the long twos just aren't worth The harder, how much harder it is when you can just take a three that's only a little bit harder and is worth 50% more points. That's,
0: that makes a lot of sense, which is basically what. So, James Holzhauer was a, is a professional sports gambler and also lifelong trivia nut. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't act like he's only great at, uh, betting, but it's like, well, no, he also had to know, he also knew everything. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But, but he came on and just was ridiculously aggressive almost always did true jelly double he wouldn't call it so by the way anthony that's like a long standing thing in the history of the show is to say make it a true jelly double um in fact my parents just sent sent me a, a pair of uh rocks rocks glasses from the Jeopardy store that say make it a true daily double. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, like most of the time people say but, it the first time, they say, I've always
1: wanted to say this, Alex. I'm gonna make it a true daily double. Did like, I say it's that? that ingrained? I, I think,
0: don't know if you I, he I don't
1: that.
2: believe he said that. No, but that's
1: so ingrained implied. that a lot of people say that. Okay. Like it's, it's sort of like the first time list or long time listener, first time caller of Jeopardy. Right. It's like you're like, <laughs> I I've been watching this since I was a kid. This is the phrase, I can't believe I get to say it.
0: Exactly. But when James would do it, he would wouldn't say that he would just make a motion like he's pushing all his chips in. Uh, yeah. So that became weird. a thing people even copied after him. But so he would do it almost always, and he talked about it on podcasts that I listened to, and just said that oh, well those the places where it appears on the board are somewhat random. They aren't like behind harder questions. So yeah. Do, wh- w- wouldn't you just have faith that you know that question just like you know most of the questions on the board? And in that case, why wouldn't you use that opportunity to maximize the worth of that question? Like yeah, it's f- yeah. free money basically so you know if it's, it's so light it's so changing on that board especially because oh, you're saying like everyone everything.
1: knows 80 yeah. percent of the questions so there's and and the the buzzer's got some degree of randomness that you guys are going to end up with a certain range of scores and if you can just have double that from one question yeah it changes your chance of winning by a ton
0: that that's the only reason i mean monday and wednesday i scraped by and if i hadn't had some early daily doubles i wouldn't have even been in the running i think but yeah i think I hadn't excuse me, I hadn't explicitly like defined a, a strategy that I was gonna be strict with myself on, but I knew I, I think a good strategy in for everyone, in the first round where there is one hidden deli double, and in the case you don't remember Anthony, in, in the Jeopardy round, their values are 200 through 1,000, Yes. And then double jeopardy, those numbers double. Also, there are two there are two deli doubles hidden then. So the first round, there isn't a ton of money at stake. I would say no matter what situation you're in, if it's if it's the Jeopardy round, the first round do the true, or if you have less than two thousand, bet the maximum, which I think is two thousand. Bet the maximum because there's so much game left in 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 double jeopardy anyway. That even if you're zeroed out, plenty of people have come back and won with zero dollars in the jeopardy round. So just always in the first round, true day double. Second round, you know, if only there's only a few questions left and you have a lead. I guess, yeah, you don't really Or if it's, that, the, if it's but, your worst category, if it's like
1: sure, opera, sure. maybe chill.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, so that was as, as someone who had said they've actually watched it. One of the things that really surprised me was kind of what you had just said about how quickly fortunes can change on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the way you can go from like third place to first place in like a very short amount of time. And then I just have one last question. This doesn't have anything to do with you, but – Oh, your last show you were on at the final Jeopardy, the the woman at the end podium uh-huh. didn't know the answer and then bet all of her money but seven dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh no no no, it's two different. You do you do the money before you see the question.
2: Yes. Oh, you, okay.
1: you bet the money based on the category and then gotcha, you get to you. actually get the question. Yeah.
2: Gotcha. Because I, I was just confused. It's, I,
1: it, yeah. It's so it's not a confidence interval in how correct you are at the answer. It's how confident you are in the in the subject of books about rivers or whatever.
2: Got gotcha. you. So because I just thought she was just she bet she didn't know the answer and was like fuck it I only need to buy <laughs> a bus to get home. So 7 bucks is all I need. Uh but I so would- I
1: I, I definitely, like I said, listen to the probably science for more, uh, strategy and analysis. I want a couple more quick questions, but about the emotional side for you, which is first of all, how many people have asked you to borrow money since you were on this show? Ha, huh,
0: uh, I think only, um, Seth Lazier posted his Venmo on my Facebook wall. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> probably a I joke, mean, it, but who knows with Seth yeah. <laughs> But so like,
1: like this is, this isn't quite the mega bucks or, or mega millions jackpots where like a yeah, lot of it's not, distant relatives come out of the woodwork but you are in the range where i would feel like it might happen so like have people been weird about it to you
0: no but i mean like we have friends who have you know sold screenplays and gotten more money than that or had right. or had a three or six month writing gig that paid more than that it's just yeah, i'm not saying true. it's not a lot of money it is it's just, just that it's we like, live
1: in a in a lottery style career anyway
0: but yeah it's funny because like those people like really if someone gets snl you you can easily Google what that means money wise and know that, but yeah. you know, but it's just I guess more visible if you're on a game show. But yeah, this comes in the heels of two years of basic unemployability for me. Like mm. I just couldn't. <laughs> no one, no one. I was interested. 2017 well, and I 18. Mean, I literally zero taxable income in 2018.
2: Uh, it's that's what I mean. The point you just made about like you know someone gets SNL money isn't necessarily where you go to, but like I mean game shows literally pit this kind of out front on Main Street, but quiz show a, has a great line in it when they say they were really watching the money uh, yeah. in terms of like what people are actually getting out of this type of entertainment and I think that because there is even to this day there is I think a lot of people watch Jeopardy because they are just watching the money it's what they like about these types of shows
3: well that's uh, not why I watch it I watch it because I like to say when Jeopardy starts I like there to be somebody else around and I like to say yeah. to that person I am so good at this <laughs> and, then, and then i get i just get all the answers wrong that's what i really dig about it you're in it for the of,
1: reverse hustle
3: yeah arrogance into oh whoopsie doozle
2: yeah you should get it <laughs> i was thinking
1: of Wheel of Fortune, it's a different yeah, show i'm well, so you sorry should,
2: you should get a job at like a retirement home oh you my know, god with jeopardy's on every day and you would get yeah. to make that joke every day yeah
3: <laughs> I, uh, they would all get so annoyed at me they'd <laughs> be like you're not <laughs> actually good at this hunter uh well, Andy, now, they he,
2: wouldn't remember. You know, they every day it'd be is, a new joke. This is
1: also um this is an, also kind of an emotional question, but how did you react when the producers took you out to dinner and told you that your run was going to be cut short?
0: Oh <laughs> you know, I basically you weren't
1: testing well anymore.
0: I, I did an impression of verbal kint. Oh no, what's his what's his name from God damn it? What's uh, the Totoro character in Miller's Crossing? Yeah. Turturro Totoro oh, uh, basically yeah, yeah. played that character again when he came mm-hmm. in. He's like, You can't shoot me! Like, it it's like Find, in your heart. Find it in your heart, please, not out yeah. here in the woods, please. Yeah, yeah. that was exactly <laughs> the same scene. So that's what I did in <laughs> public. Yeah. I, my main, one of my
1: fascinations with Jeopardy is with the v- incredibly short anecdotes that are frequently awkward. And <laughs> yeah. I asked you about this before it aired, and I, I asked you, because you have to pick a selection of, of prompts. That Alex can then uh, tell like for a lot of these people, it seems like because you you have performed you have performer energy, a lot of the people on Jeopardy do not, and it seems like they were like, I have to write down the only five stories I ever tell at dinner parties, like I need to get my best of my best. Did you feel like you acquitted yourself well in those, and how did you feel about the ones they chose from your anecdote list
0: uh they they selected you you fill out this um. It's almost like a dating like the prompts you'd have for Tinder or something, a list of like twenty things that they give you prompts for, and then they pick their favorite five, give those to Alex in case you're what, on all wait, five. what sort
1: of prompts are they so like dating are they they're like what's the time you saw a celebrity <laughs>
0: yeah i don't th- I'm trying to think whether there's any way they would care if I actually opened up that email. I don't think no, why would they care um I don't
2: yeah, it's proprietary questions that they yeah ask. <laughs> they, they uh. Let me just. Yeah, you don't want. Quick. We don't want
1: someone going on who wants to be a millionaire and then talking about a celebrity they met. This is very specific yeah. to Alex. Let
0: me see if there's a. If I can
2: quickly. Okay.
0: Interview I mean, sheet. I,
2: personally, I thought you did really well, and you yeah. like having the perform, especially with like there was one of the contestants who recited a poem that Alex really didn't want to hear. But you could just sort of tell it was like awkward. He was trying to butt in and then they, you immediately afterwards were like succinct and to the point, And like, yeah, you smiled at the end and it was like, yeah, that yeah. guy knows what he's doing. That's
0: yeah. Funny because on the, su- on the Jeopardy subreddit, when they summarized the games, someone they, they gave the, they, they summarized our interview things and they said, you know, Dan wrote a poem about Pluto Andy gave the shortest answer possible on a Jeopardy (laughs) or something. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't want to I that I was wondering about that because I I
1: I know you didn't want to like you didn't want to go too long and get cut off. You don't want to be that awkward. But I was also wondering because after you had won, you're on the far left podium, you go third in the question in the interviews, and I know that the show has some semblance of trying to fit into a half hour. And on two of your shows, the middle person talked forever. And I was wondering if you were shorter because that the the time had already been filibustered. Were they rushing you along?
0: No, I mean it looks like I made a a decision for the brevity of the show. But really, it was that Alex had just asked what sort of things I write, and I just the the wheels turned quickly, and I realized there's no good way, there's no quick and good way to answer that with any detail that doesn't violate some of the rules of the show. Like there's no plugging anything by name so i was like oh can i mention one of the and i was like wait if i try to say that i've been writing for a youtube original that's sort of mythbusters for the movies but they hate being called that also, also mythbusters is a branded like you know i was like so it was like an- also then i was I, I literally thought of all of this in that split second. And I also thought like, Oh, I'm sure no one at home wants to be reminded of the fact that I work in television. Like that's just going to yeah. look even more right. Especially suspect. this
1: season where every single person on the show works in or around television. Yeah.
0: So I just, I realized I had no quick, good way to answer it. So I'll just say sometimes science, sometimes comedy, which is true, but boring, but you know, I, anything else was going to be, a can of worms i don't know how i yeah. still
2: don't know what i would have said differently i honestly think that was the right call I, yeah no it was
1: great I, I liked it a lot it's also interesting when you have five because you get to look like there's always i think one of the things that happens with 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 winners is that they ask you for like a wackier story on the first one and the second one they actually will ask you like if you're a writer what type of writer that's a common alex's second day right, right. and so where i felt like it was like because you kept winning and kept answering short questions short it was like oh you had a map for how you wanted to arc your story over five days which i'm sure is not how you had it but it it seemed really well put together in choreographed no
0: no oh good oh they just the five so of the 20 that they ask you which includes what's uh what's the most romantic thing you've ever done or has happened to you um what's your most treasured possession have you ever had problems occur because of a language misunderstanding? So there are like literally oh, yeah. these aren't very 20, specific. 20 or 30 of these, but they're, you know, they're supposed to be things that are relatable and could bring out specific stories from you. So then you, you give those, to the producers, they select the, their favorite, either four or five um, and give those to Alex. And then you, they don't know At Alex's discretion every day, which of the ones he's going to ask you about. So I knew it was going to be the Bridgetown, my podcast, the music show I do with Brian called Cook called Guilty Treasure, and my master's swim team. And he ended up using all four of those eventually. So. Yeah,
2: So I mean, I, I, again, I've never seen a full episode. But what I have seen <laughs> is a lot of clips of Alex just dunking on the people oh, yeah. during that session. Yeah. And that he, would be one of my biggest fears. Because sometimes you <laughs> can get like, he, he's always very classy and polite. But occasionally he'll just say something really cutting. Dude, what, what's and, the yeah. the nerd rap clip? Oh, Yeah, yeah. The, and he's like oh, a yeah, nerdcore okay. rap and he yeah. yeah. But I and mean well, that obviously that's terrible. still
0: I would love if he'd said that to me cuz he was obviously like being playful, you know, like
2: yes. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's that's great.
2: I I, I as just as a want job to, to that compilation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to be in that group.
1: There's so many things about his job that seem like difficult for a for a job that's basically just like reading and hanging out that seems like the hardest part for me is like doing an interview, especially with awkward people, but definitely with nervous people where you have an extremely short amount of time. And so almost like a huge percent of the time, he, he just says, well, good for you. And then moves on, um, yeah, he does. which yeah. can sound
0: super cutting sometimes, but like, how else do you constantly move on from short, boring stories? It's really, that's, that's a funny thing. Cause I was talking to Alex Schmidt about that, who we also had on our podcast that's going to come out next week. Uh, who also won four days, another podcaster from LA who I know. And uh, I asked him what his impression of, of Alex was. And he said, he's been asked that a lot. And, And the people are always like, you know, did you guys talk after the show? And he said, well, no, because of, Quiz show, the movie we're going to talk about. He, he can't do that. So, he, like, it's his job to oh. to that. That changed everything in in the game show industry for decades. So, like, everybody has everything has to be on the up and up. So he can't play favorites. He can't chum around with you. Um, and then Alex, I, I'm sorry, there's so many Alexes. Alex yeah. Schmidt, um, pointed out that um, it's it, it when you when you take that into account. And when you take into account what he has to do socially every day, it makes the job even more impressive. Because, yeah, he has to move through these things quickly, give everyone their moment with him and on the show, you know, try to make everyone shine, not, not play favorites. And then at the end of the show, during credits, he is talking to all three of us. And every day he has to do this post-mortem with one super-related person and three really depressed and or angry or sad people yeah and that think about that like he has to have bedside manner essentially he has to have a conversation with oh, people who should not be having a conversation right now because they're in very different places and he has to yeah. make them all feel good and so that's a, that's a very unique skill i wouldn't want to have to go into work and five times in my work day have to face down two people who just got crushed you know yeah
2: well, there's also with him i think the thing that's always kind of Really kind of had me in awe of Alex Trebek was that he's, even though he has the questions and the answers, he has to project a certain sense of like confidence and knowledge in what he's saying. Like, if you had a host who, like, when they gave the correct answer, didn't it sound like confident and factual, the show would <laughs> fall apart, right?
1: He also and, does the initial round of judging. He he makes decisions whether or not you were close or whether your answer was pronounced close enough to give it to you. And then there's like a secondary judging panel, but he makes the first call. Yeah. So he also has to know enough to know how to handle that.
2: Yeah, and yeah. if he, he didn't project that, I genuinely think the show would fall apart. Like it just, he yeah. wouldn't, it would just, you know.
0: Yeah, people make fun of him for, uh, you know, it's like, oh, easy for you to be the know-it-all when you have the answers. But if you watch that, there's a 2020 um, documentary or, you know, a tribute to him that came out the day after he died. Really interesting. And he comes into work every day at 6 a.m. They tape the first episode at 11. So he spends all that time reading all six of the potential episodes from which the lawyer will draw five. So he knows everything in them. And if there's anything he isn't familiar with, he looks it up to make sure he is. he does come in with knowledge of all these clues. And it showed because in my day of five episodes, and I guess that would be 30, 60, uh, 300 questions, clues. He, um, he only had to do one pickup the whole day. Like everything was a a perfect read out of the gate. So he's very prepared in terms of research and actually presenting. So yeah, some other, someone else came in who had like three, if it was like a Seacrest who has five other jobs and he waltzed in, (laughs) I think it would show that it doesn't, it's not somebody who cares that much about the show the way he did. So
2: I want to ask you one more question. Okay, this is our last one. Uh, What is the, what is the audience at a, uh, at a Jeopardy like, are they like getting autographs of all of you afterwards? Are they like people who are just like, oh yeah, I mean, it's just like, TV. I mean, did you even have an audience? Well, that's the thing.
0: Watching quiz show, as much as these guys were, um, you know, a little morally bankrupt, I was jealous of the idea of. of getting to be on a game show when the world isn't under lockdown because it's yeah. like, oh, that'd be, no, there's no audience because of COVID. So yeah, that makes everything sense. everything you hear is added in post. So like, it's funny because I've had some of my memories of that day replaced by watching the show. I'm like, oh, that's right. That was that was fun when that happened. I'm like, oh, wait, that didn't right. happen. I said that to Simon. <laughs> uh, they, they asked, I think early on in the season, they probably had no audience at all. And eventually they asked all of the contestants for that day's taping they can 't force anybody, but they 're like we'd like you to be in the in the audience, so the other contestants, so you know as as the day goes on i don 't know how many, i didn't look out to see if they were all there, but you know at most there would be seven people out there, and as the as the day would go on the the ratio of which of those were unhappy to happy would have increased <laughs> so, like, not a hot crowd, and then also like <laughs> the fact that I didn 't get to watch it with any people, actually though no, one of the days. I think I've, there were a total of three or four people over the five episodes who saw them in person with me. But, like, you know, non COVID times would have been pretty fun to go to a bar with my friends um, and watch that. But uh, yeah. yeah, so like there wasn't a lot of real direct, uh, everything was just kind of online as far as people's response, which was still very fun and very cool to hear from so many people. But it was funny watching a quiz show and being like, not that I would have been that renowned because it's not that big of a show compared to Twenty One back in the fifties, but um, yeah. it would have been would have been interesting to have an audience there, and especially for Alex because Alex, you know, he interacts so much with the audience when it's not COVID. He usually does a Q and A afterwards, and it would have been cool to see everybody, you know, pay tribute to him in his last season. Mm. You know, so that's a bummer. He didn't get ha- get to have that sort of victory lap yeah. in this last year. Yeah, that is really sad.
1: So true. Okay, so we have so much more
0: to talk okay, about sorry. before
1: we jump into the movie. Um, that so that's my segment for what I've been watching this week. But let's do a quick uh, segment of what else you've been watching, Hunter. Since you did not experience Jeopardy and didn't have as much to talk about in this segment, why don't you go next? What did you? What else have you been watching this week?
3: Um, well, consider considering how how deep we've gotten in the episode right now. I'm I'm not even going to tell you about something I watched. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you about that thing that happened today. That made my day. Um, so I bought, Do you know, you know what a graphics card is, right, Alex? I'm, I'm familiar, yes. Yeah, so we're living in a time where stuff is, uh, it's hard to get new technology. It's hard to purchase new tech that comes out that you might want. And gosh darn it hot I new toy it. for Christmas? Do what? Because it's the hot new toy for Christmas? No, because supply chain's all effed up because uh, of COVID. Okay. You know, supply chain's super messed up. And you know how the way businesses deal with supply chain being messed up is that they don't do anything. They're just like, we're just going to go normal style.
2: <laughs> graphic codes notoriously over the last five years. I know it's gotten better over the last like, year, year and a half, but like during the big Bitcoin boom, graphics codes yeah. became used for mining Bitcoin. Uh, right. So yeah. it, it, was, it was for like two or three years. If you wanted to get a nice graphic code for like, personal use just to use what they're intended for and play games they were like impossible to find because people were just mass buying them well that's
3: that's the case these days too so like basically the the system is that you know the people that make the cards they make the cards and then robots buy the cards which is (laughs) kind of like matrixy stuff you know kind of sci-fi robots buying robots robots are buying the
1: graphics cards so that they can make robot money
3: yes well, and not only that; that it's this year. It's been all about scalping because the supply yeah, is right. so low that scalper. It's a scalper's paradise out there. They are just mm-hmm. having a blast. And I encourage anybody that wants to. I mean, if you have an eBay a spare, like a burner eBay account, a fun <laughs> thing to do is go to these scalped graphics cards and then bid like a horrendous amount of money. That's cool. And but you, it's got to be a burner eBay, you know? Right? Right. right. You'll get we've ruined. been
1: spending. I feel like we've been spending most of our lives living in a. Uh, scalper's paradise
3: yeah oh yeah yeah and (laughs) but but this year though this year's scalper it's you know it's crazy and really all i'm trying to say is that this morning i woke up early and i don't like waking up at all (laughs) (laughs) no i don't like waking up early uh and i sat on the best buy website and i clicked that refresh button for an hour and 24 minutes whoa and for some reason so, like, these graphics cards are supposed to come out at, like, 8 a.m. my time. And Best Buy, I think the dude with the button was, like, asleep or, like, not in the mood or something. Like, the <laughs> internet, like, we want to buy these cards. And he was like, ugh.
2: It's early in know. the morning, you know? Yeah, Just because you, you know. want to get up doesn't mean he wants to. That's you know? very true. He's,
3: he's all pissy. He doesn't want to do it. He's like, this, I don't know. And then about an hour, 24 minutes, which I'll say, that's an arbitrary amount of time. I mean, that's nine... Uh-huh. Twenty-two. You know what I mean? Like I was like, let's meet up at nine twenty-two. You'd be like, I'm not meeting up with this guy. He's a psycho. That is the psycho (laughs) time to meet anyone. And for some reason, I don't know how it happened, but I I just was the I was the bell of the ball today. Actually, I think it's really just because I was willing to sit there and 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 think that it would come online at an arbitrary amount of time. So I was able to purchase one of these, and I'm going to use it for what it's for, which is porn. And I just want <laughs> you. Guys to do
1: that. You are not going to be using it for robot money. You are using it specifically no, no, no. just for high frame rate. I want people fucking
3: k hundred twenty frames <laughs> per second. That's what I'm looking. NVR, okay. I'm going into my closet and I'm coming out. When COVID is over. That's my plan.
1: Congratulations on the on the, the card. I'm very, it's a really I'm very big happy deal to
3: me. I know it didn't doesn't make sense to ninety-three no, like percent of people, but for me it's like it's like the biggest thing that happened to me this year. I'm gonna cry. Yeah. yeah
2: I, I personally have been going through that. I've about it like a week or two ago, but trying to get a PS five has been a nightmare yes. because you know, robots are buying up all the PS fives the second these they come out. Robots. Uh, yeah, these robots. Um I By the like way it. i don't uh, like any of it
0: do any of you guys have i i'm sitting next to my oculus quest two that i procured in in Ooh. october Are you guys into the v r only regular consoles
3: i't I, have it yet but i'm i'm going into the matrix for yeah, porn like it's all, <laughs> i
2: have a i have the p playstation VR headset uh like it quite a bit i just i don't have the uh funds to get like a build one up but that oculus the 299 one is a it's, pretty good deal yeah,
0: yeah that's what i have that's a pretty damn good price and i don't think they've had problems with inventories so no. I,
2: yeah, i've heard really good things
1: yeah um a- anything past nintendo 64 makes my uh, uh motion sickness act up so oh. i cannot i cannot vr i would like to i have i tried it and it ruined my whole next day but it was pretty cool <laughs> i thought i was very close to those targets i was shooting i think or plates or whatever it was (laughs) um uh anthony what else have you been watching this week
2: uh yeah so i've had a chance to watch a lot of really good stuff this week but the thing i want to talk about uh, i'll be pretty fast with it was thanksgiving we all know that i hope you all Mm -hmm. had a great thanksgiving uh Mm -hmm. but my wife and i wanted to sort of get into the mood for holiday movies And there, you know, there's a lot of Christmas movies, but there's not a lot of Thanksgiving movies. I was always a big fan of, uh, like, Home for the Holidays, the Jodie Foster film when I was, like, younger. Uh, But we decided to uh, rewatch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is... Uh, I have not seen it in years, and I don't think I've seen it, like, uh, not on cable in... (laughs) which is you know it's this really lovely family pg movie except for this one scene
3: that if you see it on
2: tv you're never gonna see it uh and it's yeah we watch that it's it's delightful it holds up really well i can't suggest it enough uh everyone loves planes trains and automobiles um i so i'm not gonna go on kind of anything specific but i just wanted to say something about it i learned this week Uh, that I thought was fascinating. So, uh, Plane Chains and Automobiles, the 1987 classic, runs a tight 92 minutes. Credits credits and all. Uh, The original cut that John Hughes put together the assembly cut for planes trains and automobiles was well over 3 hours what? it was like 3 hours and 10 minutes
1: you got 1 uh, hour for each plane and, and train and automobile yeah,
2: so they cut out more of planes trains and automobiles than is actually wow. in the movie wow. um and there's definitely remnants about it like especially with, like Steve Martin's wife is like there's supposed to be the subplot when she thought he was cheating on her And that's why she's, like, in the movie having this nervous breakdown, but you don't get any of that. So it just cuts to her, like, crying for no reason every once in a while. (laughs) Um, And there's a lot of little plot lines like that. You know, like, Michael McCain shows up for a line, but he had a bigger subplot in the film. Um, And it's, you know, it's, like, I personally am a fan of shorter movies, I think especially comedies. It is the type of thing that I would love to have seen. The extended version just because I think and getting extra time with these two characters, especially John Candy, who we don't have a lot of footage of in general and John Hughes it's it's a real interesting artifact that apparently uh, is doing some research on it and John Hughes believes the negatives weren't stored properly and are degraded so none of that footage will ever be seen. Uh, um, yeah. And it's a real shame and though like John passed away you know a while ago and it is like it's just kind of sad to think about like this other version of it that like i would never want to watch as like the definitive version but would be like a cool artifact to see yeah. and just to have those subplots return to it it's just never going to you know probably never going to happen at this point and i thought that was just a tragedy that's thing
1: about- so so interesting i just pulled the, i just pulled up this uh, article about it and when it was in the original three hours cu- three hour cut it was called planes trains automobiles horses submarines and dirigibles <laughs> oh, so, i can see how that's that where the other stuff bit. came from yeah yeah. Right. yeah uh andy what else have you been watching
2: uh
0: are you guys fans of jim cummings movies i guess there are only two but um are you guys familiar with jim cummings
1: i'm not i am not I am. oh well, you're you are in R&D. for Wait, a treat are? Yeah.
2: what are his movies
0: uh, Thunder Road was his first one, which was made after a short called Thunder Road. He made did really well at South by Southwest, I think, a couple of years ago. And it's uh, I don't know what to compare it to. It's it's a you know very character based um, movie about a police officer who lost his wife and his mother and is having a breakdown. And it's uh, that doesn't sound very compelling, I know, but it's just <laughs> great, great character stuff. Uh, Jim is the star and director and writer of it. And he's also just this awesome um, proponent of of make your own shit. Like he, On Twitter, he's always telling people how he managed to do this thing on a shoestring budget and have it look unbelievably good. And he just came sure. out with a second movie called Wolf of Snow Hollow. That, uh, oh,
2: he, my wife and I just watched the trailer for that last night and thought that yeah. was like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I watched either or both of those. Uh, they're very similar totally, even though one is about a, a werewolf terrorizing a, a small town and one is about a cop loses his mother and wife but
1: um so he is also uh famously the voice of bullet number two in who framed roger rabbit wow and as far as i can tell no 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 wrong other things
0: wrong jim cummings sorry this is younger jim cummings (laughs) okay he's not the first one that comes up when you google that name
1: okay never mind sorry i thought that the whole this was the i thought the whole point of the unions was to make sure there was only one person per name
0: yeah that's not the case. Uh, anyway, I don't oh, want okay. to take up a long Wolf time, but a different guy. I got to plug two things though. Cause I saw two movies that were great this week. That is one. Yeah. And also the Zappa documentary directed by Alex winter of bill and Ted fame. Okay. One, yeah. of, oh, yeah. one of the best music documentaries I've ever seen. Oh, interesting. Uh, top five. Uh,
1: it is a, uh, a uh, hit and miss genre. So what,
2: what is it called?
0: I think it's just Zappa. called Zappa, and it's it's okay. especially good if you don't know Zappa. I mean, I do know him pretty well. <laughs> no, but I, I think that people who are just very casually aware of him as a novelty act will will come away with uh, an appreciation okay. for what, what. If you're just a real big
2: fan of his kids,
0: I'm a friend. I'm friends with his with with Moon. She did um, Guilty Treasure. She's she's what awesome. Oh, amazing! Um, wow, um, not to name drop, right,
2: but uh, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, Frank Zappa is like one of those guys who is just like so fascinating like my first influence like before even hearing his music was like and studying the way that he was like really him and john denver were really big in like the cassette uh congress controversies and like being able to like record music off the radio and like it's just stuff like that that was always really progressive and really neat and you know he sings about poop shoots at the same time he's a wild guy he he contains magnet multitudes yeah um,
0: this, this movie spends so little time talking about like the novelty of his lyrics because when you think about it compared to as a ratio of his whole body of musical output like that's such a tiny percentage that it mm-hmm. isn't really the most important thing but um
1: yeah. this is also amazing because you just recommended two films that came out in 2020 and i think before this i've seen two films that came out in 2020 right. it's so hard <laughs> I've, I've been trying to movie. i've
0: been trying to uh I, I didn't watch a lot of movies most of this year i just my brain wasn't working the right way to sit down for two hours and not be looking up statistics on COVID deaths and stuff. Uh, (laughs) But suddenly towards the end of the year, I'm, I'm, or not suddenly, I'm just uh, trying to rekindle my interest in full features. You're
1: you're supporting your local Hollywood. Yeah. And I'm paying for those movies. That's, it is kind
0: of satisfying to, uh, Throw a little money towards uh, some indie things. Yeah, yeah, you that's know, very
2: cool. You're in the industry. You can write it off at the end of the year. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> I always right.
0: forget to try to do that.
1: So we, we got to get going. We got to talk about this movie. So we have a, a our, our focal point of the week, our ostensible reason for being here. This week, our topic is the 1994 year of movies, uh, movie quiz show uh, directed by Robert Redford, written by, by Paul Atanzio and starring John Turturro, Rob Morrow, Ralph Fiennes and Shooter McGavin. Yeah,
2: he's <laughs> uh, right, uh, popped up a few times in this. I've been. I was thinking about putting together a spreadsheet of actors who appeared in the film school version of this podcast.
1: Yeah, in the last and year. It, yeah, it's
2: like definitely Ian Holmes would be number one. Uh, cause mm-hmm. he's popped up in so much stuff we watch, but I think Shooter McGavin is also yeah, been in a I lot I
1: know of he has because I remember calling him Shooter McGavin, and then actually yeah. going back and looking up his name, which is McDonald, right?
2: Christopher McDonald, yeah.
1: Mister McDonald, yeah. I only know that because I made this joke before on this uh, very program. Yeah. Uh, um, this is, uh, also this movie is based on the 1988 book, Remembering America, A Voice from the 60s, which does not sound like it's about quiz shows, but it turns no. out that book is written. About it is written book. by the Harvard-educated lawyer, that this movie kind of circles around. So it's written by that guy. So if you thought the lawyer in this movie came off better than most congressional lawyers should, it's because he wrote it, right? <laughs> this is his version of how this whole well, thing took place. Forget, um, also fun fact. Um,
2: but Also, at, I was going to say at the same time, he also Rob Murrow, who played him showed up and said, uh, how am I going to get in the characters? I'm going to put on these giant fake eyebrows and do nothing else. <laughs> uh an entire eyebrow based performance is I lo- yeah I, that's a time. great
1: way to go for me uh yeah, he's playing the character of richard goodwin um who wrote the book and fun fact thing that richard goodwin and i have in common is that publishers weekly didn't like either of our books <laughs> right. so, it's like a six degrees of separation sort of thing <laughs> um for those of you who have not seen quiz show let me and it's been a while so i'm definitely going to spoil it all but let me give you my patented five sentence summary of this movie This is Quiz Show 1994. Herb Stemple is an annoying, reigning champion of the hit primetime game show 21, a game that involves equally complicated betting, soundproofing, and multi-part questions. He's loving the spotlight until the producers tell him to lose on an easy question about the 1955 Oscars, and he does because he thinks he'll get a regular TV gig despite not having a television personality or face.
3: (laughs) Um,
1: Side note, I guess maybe it was easier to be on TV in the 60s. Like, how could you... Like, at this point, how could you be confused as to what TV wants in It was people?
2: absolutely easier to be on TV in the 50s okay. and 60s okay. than fair, it fair. is now.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, back to the summary. Uh, the new champion is a son of a famous writer and professor who is much more handsome and morally conflicted about cheating, but also just below the notch, so he keeps doing it. Enter hero of our story, lawyer to Congress, Richard Goodwin, <laughs> who... Uh, is probably not as smart as he actually portrayed himself who tries to make his congressional subcommittee job so interesting by putting all of tv on trial he digs up the dirt on the show ruins a few people's lives along the way and is so incredibly successful that modern americans can't even fathom a television show having predetermined outcomes despite claiming to be reality-based it's unthinkable today (laughs) that you would lie to the public about how your show is being made i can't (laughs) <laughs> wrap my head around it. That's how good he was. Anyway, that's the summary of the movie.
2: I mean, Quiz people show. were genuinely shocked. I mean, you have to like think about. You know, that's
1: what it- I'm trying to wrap my head around. That was I- the hardest part for me, Alex.
2: Alex, okay. People genuinely believed for a long time that the wrestling wrestling was real <laughs> until Vince McMahon had to, like this, stand up in front of Congress and tell people that it was fake right like that happened <laughs> I didn't yeah know that. <laughs> yeah i mean the the wrestling scandals of the 80s like involving like steroids and weird like there was a lot of stuff that happened in the 80s that almost like killed the industry but like yeah vince mcmahon like had to have like come out and like in front of congress and release a thing of like saying this is fake the stories crazy. are printed. uh yeah like people genuinely thought wrestling was real until the 80s a lot okay Uh, well
1: there's two things two parts of that one is that it's hard for me to strip back my uh modern jadedness to imagine believing this stuff um and the other part is that it is hilarious how often congress has big hearings over things that aren't actually illegal but just are fun to talk about thank you (laughs) (laughs) so that that's okay let's start with that so
0: What parts of this are illegal or related to Congress in any way? I was hoping I could come on and ask you guys that. That's exactly what...
1: (laughs) Well, here's what I can tell you, is that it can't be illegal to have a show that is lying about how they decide the winners. Because it still happens all the time. Uh, Every reality competition show has a disclaimer at the end that's like, the producers meet and decide who wins. Well, that's... So whether or not the judges are also part of that, but like
2: every show... That's why they have that thing there, right? They used to not do that. And then if you're like, the fact that they would like, there's a difference between like modern reality shows and literally selling, we put these in a bank vault and they are passed down from, Only three hands touch these questions, right? I mean, yeah, I
1: got to say that was their biggest problem because I would never assume that the host told the contestants the answers of a quiz show until you made a huge deal about putting an armored
0: truck. And now I'm
1: suspicious. Yeah, it's
2: a real lady does protest too much. Uh, Exactly. They
0: protested (laughs) so much too much. But by the way, I want to preface anything else I say from here on out with uh, I know that game shows like Jeopardy now are held to a crazy high standard and mm-hmm. everything is on the up and up. So whatever I say after this is only about how I think it's funny that, like you said, that, that the law is even involved in this thing. But having said that, because of what happened in, in, in that was portrayed in this movie, the laws around actual cash prize game shows are very strict and everyone – is very much on the up and up with those. So I just want to make sure so, I don't get in trouble I, I guess, by saying, like, I, I don't think there needs to be the government oversight, but also Jeopardy does well, adhere to well, it. I mean,
1: I, I'm not sure that it is government oversight versus fear of being sued, because in this movie, and like reading about the actual 21 scandal, no one goes to jail for any of these things. It just ruins their lives. Right. Uh, it makes them I, harder if, to employ. then,
2: no one the like the scapegoat something of this movie makes very clear is like they kind of yeah. scapegoat this guy and his life gets ruined but he ends up being fine but like everyone yeah. actually involved Gets off scot free and ends yeah, up making yeah, millions because, of dollars later. It's well,
0: no, because, I mean their lives are kind of sad afterwards. But but go ahead, go. We'll get into that. Well, later. it depends
1: on who it is. So I feel like I feel like Professor Boy, his dad doesn't respect him as much anymore. So his life's very sad. He also
0: never taught again. He had a job. He with never the taught psych- again. Which
2: Peter, well, I, I just mean like yeah. the the head of NBC gets off fine. Like NBC yes, as a right, network is completely uncalpable. The you know Martin Scorsese's the sponsor is, uh, you know, they get off. The people actually yes. responsible for the crime completely yeah. get off. But the word I crime
0: end. is not correct because there was no crime. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other well, thing is, this is centered around the uh, quote-unquote crime of lying to the American people, which is not illegal. No. Well,
2: <laughs> it, to, it's it's almost like it falls into, like, like the, the MPAA or, like, the ESOB. Like, there is like, the, the reason why these organization bodies come around, right, is, like, these congressional hearings just pop up about anything. So, like, the, way, the reason why movie ratings are a thing is because, like, the government was going to start holding hearings on movie ratings and what was, like, being shown, and they were going to get involved. So, to avoid that we just create a self-regulating right, right. industry-run so then, version of they're that. They're
1: not actually laws. The Congress can just threaten to pass laws that will inconvenience you and cause yeah. you to act.
2: Yeah, and even they can just open an investigation. I mean, look at, like we like, in our lifetimes, the fact that, like, it's – it's not you don't really see it anymore, but I remember being a kid and it was like I remember Mortal Kombat being in front of Congress right, right. and them doing oh, yeah. things. The baseball Hip-hop. hearings
1: was a huge deal. Yeah. And like all of these things that seem kind of ridiculous, but I can see why senators would enjoy calling in Mark McGuire to talk to him, because you can. Right. Um yeah. But the but the key so game shows are one specific thing. I guess I'm I'm expanding to reality shows in general, but well, like
2: different. You know? It is
1: a little different, but also like lying to the american people about how storage wars works is totally legal um of course like every episode of storage wars they put the producers put expensive things in the garage to make it more fun every episode of house hunters the couple has already bought a house and they're pretending that they have not already bought a house every episode of deadliest catch those aren't crabs those are out of work actors who get like picked up by a boat polished off put back into the (laughs) into the water like they're not
2: but yeah i mean i do think that there's a difference and like what's your Hunter?
1: Agree. <laughs> Nothing, never mind oh like uh, the last one's not real but the other two are super real and i've like uh pawn stars is all fake uh or not all fake but like largely
3: influenced wait is the all- yup guy from storage wars is he real or is he alive dude, i would assume he's, he's a real CG. person no, he's- yeah
2: yeah he's a hologram they uh <laughs> dude if
3: he's fake i'm i'm so he's, done he's like, actually
2: dude. a motion capture character they have a guy there in a full spandex seat oh, with dots all over we, his what face We have a guy that goes Yup. yeah <laughs> Uh,
1: uh, but, like, you can just lie to the American people about that stuff. It's it's fine. You can say this couple is looking for a house, even though they've already bought a yeah, house. Dude, and I mean, no it's the American them. dream.
3: Like, what? It, I don't even know what it, we're talking about. At this point. Yeah, this I, is, I, I
2: mean, is it is. Great like, country on. I think, like, to tie it back into Quiz Show, I mean, the thing that I haven't seen this movie in a long time, and the kind of striking thing that I kind of took from this movie is this movie has, like, this recurring motif where almost every scene is, like, a sales pitch, you know, from, like, the very first scene to oh, almost yeah. literally every scene after that is somebody being, like, heard, sold, and everyone oh, has, like... such
1: a good notice. Oh, I didn't see that, but you're totally like, right.
2: I mean, even down to, like, when Richard Goodwin goes over to uh, Ralph Fiennes', like, house for the weekend, right? Like, that's a sell. He's selling them on an idea. It's all, like, smoke and yeah. mirrors, but, like, the way He's- the you... Two- tv producers there and like the scene with scorsese versus robin goodwin just every scene is like we're selling something and it's kind of like ties into the theme of what tv is what yeah sort of like corporate interest is right well, it's all i sales.
1: mean right right sorry that's such a great point and i hate to take it to a stupider place but that reminds me that the whole show is sponsored by Geritol, So the idea. That like cures tired blood. The idea that they're lying to you about the quiz show when the whole thing is sponsored by snake oil right. is yeah. really hilarious. Uh,
2: my that's, my wife made a, a fucking great point last night about how like when he is doing the ad in the set, like a live ad during the taking, yeah yeah, he keeps going and saying it again. We were talking about how that's no, but he like literally stops. He's like, "We're gonna go to a commercial," and then he cuts a commercial right. Oh now. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, we were talking about how funny that is, like filming commercials. So I was talking about filming, like filming commercials, is on the set, and my wife was like, "That's what podcasting." Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, this, this one s- out of fashion on thing.
1: television, but it's hugely valuable in podcasts. This is the key yeah. podcast?
2: But it's just the same exact process. We're just the same industry evolving. Like in fifty years, there's just going to be well cut, nice ads. You know, yes. that you just buy. or just you know buy airtime on your show. You're not gonna. Dude. Maybe, well, so maybe I'm, not.
0: I mean, these things—it's the technology just drives weird returns to like the fact that uh, music 50 years ago was all singles, then it became all albums. It's back to being all singles again. That's true. The ads yeah. were on. Ad, very ads good point. were like baked in, and then they were removed. Yeah, well, the so point, it was it's like, comical weird. to imagine they're baked we in. We
2: talked last week about how like the Mandalorian is made real projection a uh, viewable right, right. thing again on TV. Like it's well, that same so idea. The,
1: We are we are a small enough podcast that this is not an issue. So I feel um, no qualms about um, uh, biting the hand that has not yet offered to feed us. Um, But one of this is like this is from the radio world, which is that you can have produced ads on the radio and you can also have the host of the morning show read an ad. And if you have the host do it, it's worth way more money because the audience trusts that voice. So podcasts, you could, there are podcasts that have highly produced ads, but it's worth so much more. It's so much more effective to have your host read it, but it, it hurts your host's credibility mm-hmm. to be selling uh, um, single-serving boner pills or um, gambling scam websites. Dollar Shave Club. Uh, yeah, dollar, well, Dollar shape Club, I guess that one's not as scammy to me that, that you really do pay a few dollars in good shaves. I mean, just selling like,
2: anything is going to hurt you in some people. Yeah, it hurts
1: them. It hurts you, but especially with podcasters there's more in there's shadier shit being sold so you 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 compromise the host credibility but you get more return on your dollar and what's happened with tv i think is just they've decided the credibility is worth more than that extra money because they can still make so much money whereas podcasting we're like our credibility sucks no one cares I will definitely compromise it for. And again, I would read a, an ad for Roman right now if somebody wanted to give me enough money for it. I'd be yeah, happy I mean,
2: to do it's, that. It's but that thing about you know like uh, digital pennies versus analog dollars, like this. Yes, the yes. Podcasts just don't. It's a different field, you know. It's a different medium.
1: Yeah. Such a okay. So I Andy, I want to talk to you about the game show aspects of this. What watching this? What parts of it felt familiar, or what felt really unfamiliar to you from your recent game show experience?
0: Um. Oh
1: man. Let's see. Do you have any like Jimmy uh, PTSD flashbacks from any parts of it?
2: Are you scared someone's going to come knocking on your door in a few weeks with questions? You know, like.
1: <laughs> well, I, mean, I would I... honestly. I, I like one of my really dumb to do lists. I'd love to testify before Congress someday. So uh maybe that would be fun for you. Who knows.
0: Well, we did. You know, I I do get a little worried because I did sign some waiver that I, I forgot what it said, and I so hopefully <laughs> nothing I'm doing on these podcasts is violating some terms of my appearance on Jeopardy that would make Sony decide not to send me a check come March, so I don't get paid for four months.
1: Oh, right. We, um, yeah, you, we didn't even mention that yet, but. You have not been paid your winnings yet. It right. takes six months to actually get your check from when but, it airs, it, not no, no, when you six, shot six it.
0: Six months from when I shot it, because it's four months. Four oh, okay. months from when you air. So, like in in and September, they're like, geez. "Wait, wait, and look." So I go real, ahead
2: real fast. Did you just say Sony owns the rights to Jeopardy? Oh my God, how Sony is makes. Sony,
0: no, Sony. Sony makes. It's not on a network. It's syndicated. Sony makes yeah, it. either.
2: Yeah,
0: Sony makes uh, it. It's Shot in the uh, Sony lot in Culver City. Yeah.
2: How did Sony end up with Jeopardy? Well, just
1: no, bought another, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no,
0: no, exa- sorry, no, you're, you're, you say that. It's right. Well, I don't know which company they bought, but they acquired some other production company back in I don't Yeah,
1: know. so I was trying to figure this out because uh when when I have watched it, it includes the CBS television logo at the end.
0: Yeah, and I don't so, understand any of those kind of partners. And then I was but
1: a, but it airs on ABC channels and I like Well, this no, was, some blew some, my mind. some
0: markets it airs, it airs it varies by market. Yeah. But it it always owns, it's, yes, ABC. it's
1: mostly ABC station. Anyway, I went down this whole rabbit. I, don't under, I still don't understand how syndication works, but it's like a network can make it and sell it to other networks' local affiliates.
2: Well, I mean, that, that happens all the time. I mean, look at, you know... It's
1: so weird, though.
2: Yeah, it is. Fox like,
1: you don't often see... Yeah, but you don't often,
2: see, see,
1: yeah, the God, you don't often the see the CBS television logo at the end of a show on ABC. It's a weird feeling. It's confusing. Um, but yeah, it had to do with buying. So it, because of the way syndication is like selling to directly to the small stations, not to the network, which is a model that is also, I think stupid and should go away. Um,
2: I mean, it's fun. I just want
1: to watch it on the app and you're making it. So I can't watch stuff on your app because you should be able to just watch this on the app all the time. Who cares? But you can't, um, which is, which I, I think it was part of the problem now. I can't say go watch his Jeopardy right now on Netflix because you can't. Yeah. I mean, um, I,
0: I was reading on the Jeopardy subreddit about the reasons for this. I mean, I, I guess I sort of understand how syndication works, but still seems crazy. They wouldn't sell the whole back catalog to some streamer, like have it be like Simpsons with Disney plus. But then totally. some, someone said, well, the whole thing is they can charge a premium in these markets that they're syndicating it to because this is still in this Era where it's a rare thing it's destination television and the theory and this is redditor's theory who knows if it's true is that people kind of don't care whether the jeopardy they watch is recent they just want a jeopardy and if you if you no, want I mean, to market I, with all of them they wouldn't watch the new ones i don't think it's true but that is
1: my theory as well for me because we watched all of the ones cuz we don't we don't actually get abc where, same, uh, same, yeah. where our, our antenna is in our house and so i was like so we watch all of the ones on netflix cuz they have netflix has like they'll do a collection. Like this is this person's interesting run or here are episodes where Alex wore a hat or whatever. (laughs) And so you, you can watch like six collections and then when we're out of them, we're like, Ugh, this is hard. Let's go try to dig up a new recent one, but I don't care if it's three years old, who cares? Um, so I, I, I would be part of that where I would not watch the current one. If I, um, if I was able to watch them all on Netflix anyway, anything else from the show though, what, what else like stuck out to you from quiz show knowledge?
0: Um, God, I really—it's there aren't a lot of parallels since. Like, well, I mean, it was more—it was more—it's more thinking about the things that I wish, like again, uh, the, how it would have been fun to have an audience. Would have been fun to have a week between shows to go decompress. Yeah, instead of doing to, this all in uh, a day, having them know live the answers movies. ahead of time.
2: <laughs> I, I, I know COVID probably changed this, but did you have to do like the when? He's auditioning for the different show. Like what was the audition process oh, yeah. like? How are you, are you meeting face to face with the producer? No, at some
0: point? never saw anyone in person until the shoot day. Yeah, it was all, oh. I did an online test in January and then I did a zoom test. It was like a one-on-one interview with, um, uh, I always forget her last name because it's, uh, Sarah Whitcomb Foss. From the Clue Crew on Jeopardy, she she did a video call with me, a brief interview, a fifty question spoken test on Zoom, and then after those one two, on one spoken test, it's only to me. She she ducks out, and the Zoom screen becomes a Jeopardy screen, and you have like five or oh, ten okay. seconds per question, and you That's just say the, say the answer, uh, and you can't you don't know how you do on that either. Although like they said you know don't don't document don't don't videotape this or anything cuz you know it might be the same as we give to other contestants we don't want to give them yeah, any advantage yeah. so i didn't record anything but i was just like so first of all i thought it was going to be the last i hear from jeopardy and i was just thrilled to have this interview with the clue crew sarah from the clue crew um and so, and I was like, they're never going to tell me how I do. I'm never going to be on the show. So immediately after it ended, I tried to just jot down every one that I could remember of the fifty, and I remembered like forty seven of them. And I, and I of those, I only missed like two or three or something. So I was like, okay, that's a Whoa. good, that's a good percentage um no that's i freakish. destroyed that you list. should be Don't worry.
1: you should your brain should be studied that's crazy no, i
0: didn't remember all i remember was like I, i'd be like oh i remember the like um this wasn't one of the questions but like you remember oh mississippi was involved in that i just write down mississippi because that was one of the questions and then uh... you know then I was like I, once i have a list of almost 50 i'm like okay my ratio was pretty damn good yeah and then and then i got a call a, a zoom call that was um a third round that was a sort of gameplay but like because we're on a zoom call and in in the regular times, it would have been a thing where you go in person to um, to like a mock-up of, of the game and maybe even have like a real buzzer so you get that practice and they'll see how you play. But this was just like nine of us in a Zoom call and they'd pull us three at a time into a separate room and do not a huge number of questions but part of a board and you just buzz in with a ballpoint pen and they'll call on people. So the calling on was inexact. So obviously they weren't really like caring how you did as far as beating the people you're with. It was more like a screen test than, so than, uh, do
1: you feel like it was entirely based on your score or were they secretly trying to figure out if your personality sucked?
0: I think it's all, you know, it's all the above because they get, uh, once you pass all those rounds, you're in a pool of like 2,000 contestants for the season and they'll draw 400 of those in a given season. Oh, so okay. after that round, I was like, okay, that was fun. I wish I had some way of remembering, you know, it, it, it's also, it happens in my living room in the desert and no one knew it happened. So it was just a very like, that just came and went, I'm never going to hear from them again. And it's a weird life moment to be like, Oh, I got to have a sort of a jeopardy dream come true, but no evidence of it
2: in any way. Well, okay. Um, so let's, if you had gone in, in person and done like this thing and, you know, had that feeling like, well, wow, at least I got to do that. Then on your way out, someone was like, what are you doing? Trying to get on jeopardy. You should be on wheel of fortune. or like, <laughs> you should be on like, who wants to be a millionaire would you, you know make- that one's better the
1: the wheel would be insulting,
2: yeah, I'm trying to think of what would be yeah, like a better version of it.
0: I just remembered I don't know why I didn't lead with this this is i've I've had a much closer experience to quiz show than Jeopardy. I totally forgot you guys know I was on a game show uh with Anthony Calderon and um will will miles and um and uh, uh Dan. Uh, Oh my God, why can't I remember my own friends' names? I was on a game show called America Says. It's a poor man's family feud. Um, (laughs) No. With Dan from Seattle. Oh my God, why can't I think of from seattle he was in he served in iraq he was on he was my, my game show teammate why can't i think of his last name
1: uh, i well, uh, the str- stressing about it, it's hurting me so just yeah, um you, you played a bunch of comics on a family feud style game show no, yeah I did not that notice. was
0: we totally faked everything not the actual questions but all the pre, pre- all the stuff about why we're together because they don't want four comedians so we had to like make up some other reason that we're friends because all the teams are like the middle school teachers the 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 knitting buddies or whatever so um that We've, was your
2: team the knitting buddies yeah the Knitting <laughs> Buddies. we're just guys who like the bro down and knit down yeah you know?
0: yeah, yeah um so so dan sometimes plays <laughs> i feel like i cannot go back on jeopardy because my brain is so awful i can't pull his last name but he would play occasional bar trivia with a bunch of friends of mine in la like riley newton and matt kirschen and um I was, the most, I was the least employed of all these people at a time when we knew someone was casting for a game show and I couldn't get three friends together to just drive up to Burbank for this um, tryout. And and I was like, well, I don't want to keep putting in all this work. Um, but then uh, it was maybe Dan was unemployed also and was willing to do it. And I, and I was like, if you can find two people, I'll show up, but I'm not going to do any more work on this. This is silly. And it's also like a game show network thing where they're just churning out a ton of them. It's very low stakes, like best case your team splits – like 12 or 15 grand four ways. So right. Uh, I didn't really care, but like he got a team together. I'm like, okay, if, if they, if they want us, we'll do this. And then the day of um, Dan overslept, had all of his devices turned off. So three of us are in the uh, studio waiting for him. We're supposed to have a fifth alternate. We never got an alternate. That's why you have an alternate in case you have an idiot <laughs> friend who just sleeps till noon on random days when we have to be somewhere at seven. Um, so, and also no one but me brought uh, clothing options that like they asked us to bring multiple things in case what we have isn't fit for TV and everyone else's stuff is not fit for TV. So everyone else on our team is wearing clothes that I brought. Um, <laughs> so Dan finally wakes up. They bring us in and like, okay, we can, we can get you in. They're like so exasperated with us because we're just these idiots. Um, and they decided that we're going to be the musicians. So we're all in one band together, theoretically, because I guess we all <laughs> did play some music, but we I hadn't met two of them until that day. So it mean, um,
2: sounds like a band. honestly. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this lawyer, their S and P lawyer is like, He's like in a Hawaiian shirt. Like this is his last gig before retirement. You can tell. He's just like <laughs> I'm one way, one year away from moving to Barbados. Um, but they they give us this whole spiel. Like, you know, you, and you can't know anybody who works on the show. Like, yes, we don't. We don't. And um, I mean, there's no, nothing about gameplay is affected by the fact that we aren't musicians or that Dan is a fuck up who can't set an alarm. Um, but so they, they give us all this stuff. And then, you know, you, you got to tell us if you know anybody on the show. And then we get out there and the host walks out. And it's John Michael Higgins, who had just performed at Bridgetown the year before. Like I had, <laughs> I had bought him his plane ticket to come to Portland and do my festival. I'm like, am I supposed to say something now? But I'm like, there's no chance he's going to, in this context, suddenly remember that I'm the guy from this festival. And of course, he didn't. So I just played the game anyway. And we lost, so it doesn't matter. But like at some point, he interviewed us and asked us um, – he made a little guitar playing motion. He's like, "So which of you, uh, you know, play his guitar?" And we hadn't worked out what fake instruments we all played. So all four of us make a guitar motion at once. So then <laughs> it's like, so it's a four four guitar band. Like, yeah, it's a four guitar band.
1: Yeah, we're we are Slipknot. You can't. We're not on the mask. You don't yeah. recognize us. But. And, and
0: then also, uh, speaking of actual quiz show stuff that yes. should have been investigated, so the. <laughs> I forgot. I've totally forgot about this. So the game is basically Family Feud, but instead of uh, blanks on a board that are above each other, it's like a word cloud, and all of the words are the first letter and then a space. And he'll be like, um, when I think of Kentucky Derby, I think of, and there's like M space, J space. So it's like, okay, mint julep, stuff like that. Mm. So every word uh, has its first letter shown. We get, um, we asked a hundred people, what's your favorite cartoon? And it goes one at a time, like Family Feud, down the line. So if you miss Mm -hmm. it, then the person after you goes. um, So you only get one shot. So one of them, it was favorite cartoon, and it was S blank, and then a dash, and then another word that's short, but no first letter of that word. And I'm like, well, I know Spider-Man is hyphenated,
2: and that last Mm -hmm. word
0: has to be man. It's short. So I wasted a turn on Spider-Man. It was no. Went down the line, wasted the next turn on Superman, which isn't even hyphenated, but I'm like, what else? (laughs) And then we don't get that one. Um, and it turns over to their team. They get it. They win the whole thing. Uh, then when it airs, it, it was Scooby Doo. When it airs, they put the S and the D up there. So I looked like a common idiot oh, who's wow. saying Spider Man, even though I see an no. S and a D. Those guys can S my D. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that happened, other thing that happened is we got most of the Kentucky Derby ones. Then we, there was one left and it went to their team. And they can steal. And someone in the audience yells hat and they say hat and they get the points. And then it goes to the break. I'm like, hey, lawyer, you said to say something. If we see something, say something. Yeah, that person in the audience yelled out that answer. And the, the lawyer in his Hawaiian shirt comes out. and was like, yeah, who was that? He's like, get out of here. Just kicks him out, but doesn't undo the points their team got. And then the team won by like one word, by one question. Oh, so we look like infuriates. idiots who all play guitar. And someone in the audience gave the team their winning points. So, wow. so funny
1: yeah oh my god um <laughs> do you okay so this this gets me to the the morality of this because you're talking about the lawyer especially so you made a reference early that you would have no part of this offer that he was given which is go on a game show pretend you're smarter than you are um hunter i haven't heard from you in a bit so what's your moral compass say you're you're the most Kantian among us um,
0: yeah, what <laughs> the k right yeah yeah okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, no, yeah that uh, was the thing where
1: he's like wizard. I'm just trying to think of what Kant would say and then the, the shysters uh, producers like I think you'd be fine with it I don't think you have a problem <laughs> very funny line anyway uh, Hunter if, if somebody were to come with you to you with this like um, crooked game show idea Posty. how yeah. would you feel
3: yeah I mean uh, well I think I would have said yes but now I've seen quiz show so I kind of know how it plays out <laughs> yeah that's like that. it's hard well, to say yes you, after read, watching the movie. you mean like quiz
2: show <laughs> <laughs> be like when, I, whenever i watch a movie like this uh and i always get like i'm kind of like the opposite of you alex like you you don't want people to get in trouble so you want them to like
1: oh my god do
2: it in the first place i don't want people to get in trouble so i want them just to like do it smarter and get away with it <laughs> oh okay so, sure like, yeah, yeah whenever i watch it like especially like a story like this to me it's just, like the second this guy shows up Fucking just shut it down. Just go on like a six week vacation. Immediately have uh, Ralph Fiennes' character lose the next week, and then it's just like it's gonna like you can't prove anything after the fact. But it's always they keep going, especially once they know a lawyer is showing up and asking questions. Yeah, that's that's kind of like the pose. Like if you are going to do it, do it. Get a bunch of money, and then the second stuff looks like the like it's going south. Just cash bail. in and get the fuck
1: out of there. I mean, the person who I was mad at the most, actually, in my immoral brain, was I was mad at the producers for not getting NDAs from any of the people on this show oh. so that they can go to Congress. Like, all he, like, even when he was like, when he tried to bully him into signing it after the fact, he didn't offer him anything. All he had to say yeah. was like, yeah, we'll get you one day on this game on this other show. Just sign the contract. Like, they didn't offer. Like, how can you just let your biggest criminal liabilities out in the wind like that? Yeah, but
3: Hunter that's, that's, Anthony Store for you on this one. Great game shows all the time, we'd still be living in that, and that yeah. I honestly, think fun. This movie made it seem fun. <laughs> so you you okay?
1: So if you'd never seen Quiz Show, you would say though it'd be fun to take the money and be a fake genius just because it seems fun.
3: Well, okay, so like let's put if I'm a, if I'm gonna put myself in uh, Ralph's shoes in this movie, I think. I think I'd I think I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what would happen is I'd start getting really famous and then I'd start getting really freaked. Cause I feel yeah. like it's kind of crazy that he can't see that uh oh, that I'm like I'm like a celebrity and it's pretty wobbly, like kind of what I'm yeah. standing on. So I would have been freaked by that and I think bailed, you know. Yes. Episode three, I would have been like, I can't handle this. I'm too freaked.
2: Yeah, I mean, Hunter, I could easily see you on the cover of Time. Yeah, me too. Uh, but that would, I think that would be a real point when you got to be like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> uh, this has gotten out of control.
3: Well, maybe I'd try and spin it at that point. I'd be like, I fooled you all. I'm like a magician.
2: <laughs> or just cash in right there and then go live your life as a successful teacher who has this cool story. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I will
3: say that if there, I mean, we kind of started the conversation about this movie on this level, but it is kind of like, in in Honestly, this didn't really bother me until maybe, like, the last part, the end of the movie, where it's kind of like, oh, man, he never taught again and stuff. And it just kind of makes you feel a little bit like, well, whatever. (laughs) Like, (laughs) everything's okay.
1: No, no, I feel fine about that because he was not even a professor. He was probably – he was making $86 a week. He was not being hugely well compensated. It's a ton of work. I I feel like a lot of universities take advantage of their young teachers and – this is a better story. Go work for Encyclopedia Britannica. What a better I, job.
2: Also, it's just like, I, I, one of my, another favorite things that I think this movie does is the way it, especially odd coming from Robert Redford, like sort of attacking the idea of privilege, you know, like, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it's odd that he has a real strong point of view on that. But there's like, especially yeah. the, my, my favorite scene in this movie is uh, probably at the end when he's testifying. And even in like his confession, he fails upward for a little bit until that <laughs> one guy sets up everyone straight. Like, I think that's such, I, I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but the idea that he, you know, does the right thing after doing the wrong thing and being complicit for years, everyone is like, I just, you know, and it's it's the same thing that happens with like people getting off today. You know, you seem like a fine young man. <laughs> uh, you, you absolutely won't do it again uh and
1: but also that scene is just one of one of the things i loved about that scene was knowing that congressional hearings then were the same as they are now where every other person talking half of them say something interesting and then the other half just say that their corporate backers are innocent (laughs) (laughs) every congressional hearing is half of the people saying something just absolutely insane or like uh, co- like it'd be like, well, we got the uh, oil executives here, and somebody be like, "Hey, you know how you spill all that oil? That seems bad." And then the next person would be like, "I just appreciate how you make cars possible. I love driving to work. Like it's always <laughs> insane like that." And so My having it be car. like that, <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly, it's great. And then uh, that was ev- a very funny thing everyone that asking the questions is also 70 years old and almost pretty much out to lunch. Most of the day. Yeah. And,
1: and the- not clear on the medium you're talking about. Not very familiar with how everything yeah. works.
2: It's, it's um, very much like mean, this movie is like surprisingly relevant. I think it will always yeah. be but definitely like the way it attacks those type of things. I especially think the way this movie, like, cause when, you know, in 94 people weren't really talking, I think too much about privilege and like wealth and like, what that does Uh, and like the way i think that as that conversations become more and more you know relevant and like culturally kind of happened this movie is like an even better like it well
1: there are a couple of things that way there are a couple things that, that were difficult to wrap my head around that way with my modern sensibilities one is the idea that people from brooklyn are not rich that was weird um <laughs> right because yeah. like i know i like I, I i understand how hard it is for people to try to live in brooklyn right now um queens was a little more relatable but like brooklyn real estate is still insane um but the other thing is just i the thing that was hard for me to wrap my head around like i said earlier it was just how people trusted this medium because i maybe i'm just too jaded but i just feel like Television is artifice. That is all we like. That is everything that is happening all the time. You're always being lied to. I assume that until proven otherwise. Yeah. And so, if somebody asked me today, the day after I watched Quiz Show, they were like, "Hey, do you want to go on this uh, brand new reboot of this? This uh, uh, it's called Twenty One, and we'll pay you twenty five grand. We'll give you all the answers." I'd be like, "Sure, that sounds like a good deal. Um, it's a working actor job." People. Are so often actors doing these like things? Like, I guess I feel like if I was in his position, I'd won a few weeks in a row in a congressional staffer came up and was like hey are you getting the answers ahead of time like yeah it's television man
2: what are you talking about Alex, (laughs) think about like this is why the 60s and 70s were so dark and violent right people used to genuinely have no (laughs) there was like this entire idea of like the american identity and what you thought truth was and you know the media is just putting this big propaganda box and you know like intellectuals are you know living in cherished lives while everyone else is like finding local heroes in this thing and then like the whole point like the whole thing that happened in the 50s and early 60s is like everything about the American consciousness and truth and like truth justice in the American way got shown to be a lie and everyone lost their mind now we end up like with people like us you know it's it's hard to imagine There's there's a reason why you know people reacted so hard to having like that broken and it's just been getting more and more broken for people i guess well, maybe i
1: i i think that's a, a yeah that is a, a true and good description of the way time has happened but i will say specifically for me one of the reasons why i am so this way is because i have been a participant on a fake quiz show on the radio uh-huh. so i have never done a i can't i've not done a tv show but i can tell you that i don't need to be offered twenty five thousand dollars i need to be offered twenty dollars uh, to pretend to win a game show on the radio and then and i i, I mean
0: i uh is it I called not, wait wait don't defraud me you <laughs> fraudster
1: <laughs> oh man that game uh probably that game's got to be fake right come on right. NPR. it seems fake um no i was there's like uh I, I was uh, I was an actor on a uh, on a on a quiz show on a radio program where I was told that I had won a very large prize at the end that I was not eligible for. I was not told about it was not real. Like the whole game is about doing a quiz show against the radio host, but the prize is not real. So um they just have actors do it. And I uh yeah, I mean, I, I'm willing to do I would do it again tomorrow
3: because like you give me 20 bucks. I can do that. Did you do uh, a good I, job of selling it, you think? Or do you think people were convinced or not? I Well, you know, it's funny. I think
1: that I do a good job and I think people were convinced. But I've heard other people do it and I've thought, how could anybody possibly think these aren't actors?
2: Yeah. Because I mean, this I,
1: sounds obvious.
2: Uh, but uh, like, a lot of people do believe that. Like, I, I like... Especially having a lot of co-workers over the years who will tell me about like, I was listening to the morning radio show and they called this guy who never went out with this girl on a second date. And oh, it was yeah. so embarrassing thing. I was like, you know, that's all just like, those are improv people recording these for 20 bucks a pop.
1: You yeah, know, obviously, I'm not suggesting that I am that person because that would definitely be a violation of contracts that those people could theoretically have had to sign. Yeah. But what I can say is that if you Google second date update is it real," you can find out pretty quickly whether or not it is.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, and, and Anthony theoretically could say whatever he wanted about that. Yeah, uh, I haven't and could, signed could,
2: anything. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: I haven't hypothetically signed anything.
2: Yeah. Um. But also, like, I I also want to like. Just making sure you're clear, Alex, here that if like if somebody wanted to call you and not air a skit, like just wanted you to call them and like read a script to them, could Mm -hmm. they pay you also 20 bucks for that? I will say um,
1: hypothetically, it is actually 45 that I've I've never done it, but it just seems like I was saying 20 to be nice. It's actually $45 theoretically that I would assume you would get paid for that Hypothetical job. Um, So
2: if anyone's listening out there and you want Alex to call you and read you a script, it's forty five dollars.
1: Forty-five dollars up to thirty minutes, again, hypothetically. Um, and that is down because of coronavirus, again, hypothetically. Used to be more, probably. The one other thing I will say on that though is I do know people who have been like on Jerry Springer as actors pretending to have done those things, like I don't know how much the mix of Jerry Springer people real to fake are, but I do know people who have been paid to do that fake. And so I just like I'm just so and every time I like a reality show, I find out that it's fake. So I've just like been hurt too many times.
2: But, but I, honestly, I The fact that you're conflating reality shows and game shows, I think, is a, a little odd. And yes, also, he, like, is it? Is it tell me why they're so different. Do you have this with like documentaries too? That like you know are real, you just assume that they must also be fake.
1: No, I will I, tell you. Actually, probably I am too susceptible to documentaries, which it turns out have more of an agenda than uh, I would like. But I, I will believe any documentary, whatever they say. <laughs>
2: so you are not completely jaded in terms? of... Yeah,
1: no. I there are there are some blind spots to my jadedness, but. Um, yeah, I'm very susceptible to documentaries or true crime podcasts, which it turns out there's no law that they can't be fake crime. <laughs> but like uh, a, a, reality, a lot of them are just making shit up.
2: To me, like a reality show is, and a game show are like two different beasts, right? They're just, they just they work differently and like there's there should be like a unwritten, even if it's not like a law, but I'm sure there is, but they're like a unwritten thing that if you're going to portray it as on the up and up, and like have people come in and just win money. I think like I guess I just some no, integrity to that.
1: But like Please. if your show is if your show is people cooking dishes for judges and they win money versus knowing the answers to questions and winning money, that seems pretty similar in my head. But I would understand if TV has decided to regulate them differently, partially because of this genius lawyer who is top of his class at Harvard.
3: <laughs> I feel like what I mean, I feel like it makes sense that you're making this connection because the whole thing here is that they realized this is like, you know, on the people behind the camera were like, oh, it's kind of like a story, and people are kind of caught up. Yeah, yeah. I know there's the line just being like, they're watching the money, man, but also like, What's his face? Uh, Charles Van Dorn became like a like a big celebrity.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, his cool. post post twenty one life was not great, but th- those couple years were fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so so that's the other thing
1: that's important. I think from that is not in the show, but I I did look up more about the scandal, and it turns out what happened was the first episode of twenty one was played up and up, and they just didn't know the answers <laughs> to any of the questions. They were so bad that they had to start cheating to make the questions so they could make the questions hard enough that it would be exciting to watch which is very reminiscent of who wants to be a millionaire when it moved from a british game show to an american game show they had to dumb the questions down by a lot oh, really? because we weren't getting any of them right and that's well, not fun to watch either there's
2: another really great line in this uh, in the uh, in that like everyone's watching the money monologue when he says like we could dumb the questions down and do the same exact thing It would accomplish the same exact thing but like we're doing this because it's more drama and people want the hide her to questions and like it right yeah goes into the ethos that like it absolutely i think you're right in comparing it to reality tv in the sense that like it's absolutely the same mindset that leads to producers massaging material and planting stuff in it you know it's just trying to create the best television you can.
1: Well, and so uh, the things that, one of the things they do, you know, like turning off the air conditioning so that you sweat is a thing you could still do if the questions were legitimate. Right. And just like every reality show, like competition show, one of the things they do is they s- make sure you don't sleep very much so that you'll have more drama. You'll say, you'll be more, you're more uh, irritated and so you'll have more exciting fights. So like you could do that without manipulating the outcome. And so I guess for me, it just feels like, if you're going to lie to me about their conditions, if you're going to be destroying these people's uh, emotions, like it just feels like I'm willing to round up to everything being a lie. And I know that's dangerous in terms of like how you think of the news, but in terms of like games, I feel like it's close enough.
0: Well, if it makes you feel any better, having been on the set of jeopardy and having worked on other, uh, what would you call them? Celebrity competition without any stakes shows i can tell you there is there is a hard line between those like last summer i was writing for a show that still hasn't gotten made but it was going to be a spin-off of um all the music-based games that jimmy fallon does in his show called that's my jam like when he does the wheel of musical impressions so we're just trying to find ways to have music-based games for a couple celebrity contestants to play against each other and everyone on that production team had worked on beat shazam which is a huge money stakes game and has all the S P standards and practices that they have to adhere to that came out of the quiz show era. So they were coming off a show that's very difficult because the legal bar was so high. Everything had to be so on the up and up that on this show, everyone's like, well, there's no money, so there's no SP, so we can have some fun with this. So th- there, are, oh, there are there are hard lines in TV production between those shows that are straight. Yeah. Like I showed up the morning of, of the Jeopardy shoot, and they are very uh, clear about how things work. Like they have written six games to be perf- to be done today we have a lawyer here who has seen none of those she's going to randomly select out of this uh folder five of those games she's also going to randomly select two of you at a time to be in each of those games as they happen like all these things that just involve a third party who they've hired who's not part of their production team whose sole job is to be impartial and randomly pick these games and randomly pick the contestants interesting so, i mean they, that's cool i didn't know that they, yeah they they are very you know there's a ton of money at stake and I have no idea if they think that Congress would get mad if they didn't do it or if there's a chance – I think more likely they would open themselves up to litigation by contestants who maybe uh-huh. actually have a legal case on, under, I don't know, contract law or some – there's probably some way that it could they could sue – um, but, you know, oh, wait, I don't think I it's because of...
3: Ill- sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I thought that stuff is illegal now. Like, in response to the quiz show stuff, they did actually make a lot of this stuff. Well, this is what I don't actually what, know the how, answer is. how would the law be? How
0: would you describe that law, though?
3: Well, I, don't, law yeah, a, I As a lawyer, uh, I would say... <laughs> But
1: I don't I was yeah, just, weird, not, weird that you've buried the lead on you being a lawyer this whole time we've had you on the show. Yeah, that's
3: true. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't know how, how legit so, it is. But that was just my understanding.
1: This is what I was saying before is I don't act, without actually knowing the the real answer to it. But from reading about the scandal, what seems to have happened is it ruined people's careers or some of them, but not others. Um, and there was no legislation that came out of it. But that game shows are like they they were damaged it felt like game shows would never air again because of the loss of trust and so i think this is self-imposed okay. yeah that makes sense. to win back legitimacy and also to avoid being sued right, for hold, deceit. Up,
3: hold up i got something well, for you this is, is, from, this is not from my brain but, but there's
2: also like after, FCC, after, the,
3: after the investigation the communications act was amended to prohibit the fixing of televised contests oh. of inel- intellectual knowledge or skill. Now, I'm just reading you a sentence off the internet, and I am a lawyer, so that is... that is Okay, No, that, I, that checks
1: out. I guess I missed that when I was reading about this. That's super interesting. Um,
0: I wonder if that's if they can do that only because it's the FCC, and if things that don't yeah. use... Right. Things that aren't subject to the FCC would still be beholden to that law. Like, if you do a YouTube original,
3: mm. and you give out
0: actual money, do you have an obligation to answer to the government?
3: You're probably right, right when you say that, because right. this is underneath a big paragraph that has the words FCC in it. So I feel yeah. like How you're right?
0: do they have jurisdiction. It makes no sense. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: I, 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 yeah. Uh, but, but obviously that doesn't, in, doesn't apply to all ge- like shows of
2: skill. No. I mean, have you guys ever heard of the, um, uh, what's that show called? Press your luck. The press your luck. Oh, scandal. I
0: love that scandal so much. No, yeah. tell me about the press your luck scandal.
1: Uh,
2: so, uh, the press your, this was just like, This dude uh, was like obsessively watched Press Your Luck, which if you don't know how it works, it was the No Whammy show. It's like a big bunch of it, but it's like a big board with a bunch of TVs in it that had different prices, different money amounts, and you would hit the button as the lights randomly flashed, right? And there was this one dude who got obsessed with it, would record a bunch of episodes, figured out that there was only like four of five sequences the randomizer did, and right, because having
1: a computer electronic randomizer, especially not recently, was very difficult.
2: Well, not even that. They were just dumb. They r- immediately replaced it with, like, a 32 one. They were able oh, to okay. get it real fast. Yeah. Uh, okay. they, just, they just didn't think about it. Uh, and he, like, he would sit at home with a VCR remote and, like, watch the episodes and hit pause. Uh, and he got so good at it that he was able to get on the show They had to split his episode into two. It just stops in the middle because he goes on such a run that he, it was like a 50 minute episode or something like that. Uh, But yeah, he didn't technically cheat. He just learned how to beat the game and they tried to deny him his money for like months. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just usually win like 20 grand at most at the show. And I think he won like $130,000 in one day. Uh, so one thing you know, I've I've
1: heard enough, and I wish I could t- remember which ones they were, but I've heard enough podcasts about different interesting game show stories that I do remember somebody saying that you could really mess up a show by winning too much money because they have a budget and maybe even an insurance budget. And that if you – if if there was a – if there's a break in the mechanic where you could win way more money than they had budgeted, you could probably get the show canceled.
2: Yeah, I mean, so what they did was they just immediately replaced it with uh, yeah. like more – uh, sequencers after that, but also like I, I remember when I was reading one time, I was taken aback by at this time period, C- uh, CBS who owned the show. They're like their top payout they allowed was twenty five thousand dollars in terms of like if you ever got that much money, you were never allowed on any of our shows.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like a casino.
2: The shows were designed to pay out about that much at most. Like I said, he got like hundred and thirty grand, and they took a long time. But yeah, he just sat there and got – just learned how to beat it, Uh, which is like – they call it a scandal and they tried to say he was cheating. But it's like, is that really cheating, just figuring out your game?
1: But Uh, it's important when you put it on TV that you got to remember that people watching TV might be sociopaths. And so you have to plan for somebody to come in who's put way more time in it than seems humanly reasonable.
0: I mean, I – that I, I I respect that part of that guy's story. I don't respect the part where he kept his money in cash or on his house afterwards, and he was robbed of all of it. But um. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> died penniless like yeah. five years later. Uh, yeah, that wasn't very great.
0: Um, okay, so we got to wrap
1: up here. We got to get done. Um, we have not talked we've had so much fun talking to you about jeopardy that i feel like we've not talked super in depth about this movie um so my question to uh the expert panels to um and andy you can decide if you're an expert or not it's up to you um i loved this movie am i wrong no no. i
2: i like it quite a bit um okay
3: cool it's a very depth movie like it's good yeah. people doing really good.
2: well Really well cast, really well directed. Very, it's very classical. I definitely think like it is a interesting movie in terms of like if you want to look at film history, especially because you have Robert Redford directing this, who I feel he's very much trying to like do his all the president's men. Like this is a oh, very okay. similar. Yeah, yeah. This
1: is a low stakes all the president's men. Yeah, I like that. Yeah,
2: but it is very much the same. Like really good shoe leather investigate and uh, like yeah, investigative yeah. people are gonna. And America Do losing her
0: world? innocence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And absolutely.
2: It's, you know, like it uh I think it's like this theme that he carried with him, which is I think is a very interesting companion piece. Uh I really like there's a lot of like you know, besides Moch Scorsese, like Barry Livingston has a cameo in this movie uh like the of pretty big part, that. really.
0: He's the host of the Today show, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. And then you have stuff like, uh, you know, like close to flock coat, small cam, a lot of weird little interesting. Ethan Hawke. Oh, you, well. you see Ethan Hawke? Ethan yeah, Hawke really like as a
1: child. I yeah. saw a bunch of children where I was like, "Wait, that person's from some movie. Who's that?" So I, there's a lot Mario of Kanto. like interesting small. Yeah, yeah yes, Mario Mario Kanto
2: Kanto Kanto was one of them. Playing, yeah, playing, uh, you know, a big white guy, which is definitely what he reads as, and always <laughs> when I when I see him, I think, "Why yeah. don't we cast him as a guy who loves his wife?"
1: Uh, well, okay. <laughs> um uh one other film question related question um that i am stuck on is that um this movie it felt like may have actually just been a large elaborate ad for geritol but also for the 1955 movie marty uh mm. so do i have to see marty is it worth watching because uh, boy Mar- they, they, yeah, they sound great
3: marty you marty. know
0: what? you know why you should watch Marty. I was on a kick where I'm like, I should go through and look at what best pictures I haven't seen. And so I'm like, I'm starting with the shortest. I believe Marty clocks in at a lean. I want to stay 87 minutes. So in and out with Marty, go check.
1: It oh, out. I love, this is my favorite mission. I'm going to watch also, all the movies that are good, but from least pressure to the most,
0: do you pressure. know, do you know what the premise of Marty is. No, I have no idea. It stars Ernest Borgnine as an ugly guy who dates an ugly woman. And so it's just like the whole movie, you have to hear these two actors who are not made up to look uglier talking about how, ah, just a couple, look at us, a couple of potato faced nothings trying to find love. You're just like, guys, oh, it feels so, I don't want to like join in on this woman hating herself and everyone calling her ugly. And she'd be like, yeah, I'm ugly. He's ugly. Whatever. Like,
1: (laughs) it's very weird. That's super weird um man yeah 134 for a best picture though that is an awesome awesome assignment um <laughs> uh anybody else closing thoughts uh before we wrap on a quiz show
0: uh can rob morrow um stick to an accent for a full movie yeah <laughs> no we have to well,
1: i think the key whether or not he stayed there at least he was overdoing it
0: sometimes sometimes underdoing it sometimes not doing yeah. it at all like it varied yeah. scene <laughs> to scene it was all over <laughs> the moon was,
2: Rob Murrow always like whenever I see him, I think of like if he was a Pokemon, he would be the earlier evolution of Edward Norton.
3: <laughs> like oh. Edward Norton
2: just kind of came and ate his lunch, I feel like. Just took role like that. that would go to him. Uh is better looking, a better actor. Uh opens yesterday. his
0: mouth, brother.
2: Yeah. I just every time I see him I was like, Oh, that's a guy, you could have been it.
0: How does that make Paul Prevenza feel? Because he was supposed to be the star of uh, Northern Exposure until Bob Morrow (laughs) took it from him. So he's like a poorest poorest man's Edward Norton, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's the (laughs) evolution chain. You start with him, Bob Morrow, then you finally evolve uh, to Edward Norton before you face the Final Four.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hunter, do you have any final thoughts on this movie before Um, I leave?
3: I have a little nitpick. I liked it, but, um, and it's funny that we're making fun of Rob Morrow. Cause for, for me, his character was kind of like the weakest part of the movie. And I kind of wonder if I would have liked the movie, if it had all been from, um, I always struggle to say Ralph Fine's uh, because, yeah. and not to say that he didn't need to be in the movie. I think the role, his role of, you know, was kind of essential to the plot, uh, not cutting him out but i felt like the movie played with the perspective in a way that i didn't really i felt like made the drama hit a little weaker for me and with a movie that is essentially like about something that's not even quite illegal i think like nailing those landing me in those beats and making me feel like this is very serious and i'm very invested is like kind of kind of important and i think yeah. the perspective stuff was just a little Weird for me because it started out and it's like we're following John Turturro and I'm like okay right. I guess this is a John Turturro movie and then it's like well no it's not and also Rob Morrow is in the first scene I'm like what is he doing in here and then yeah I was actually that's that such a good point because that, that, yeah.
1: that first scene feels so important for establishing Rob Morrow's character because mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time there and then I'm not convinced that it mattered that much. Well, I, the long-
2: I, cool I think scene. It's like the theme of like. The sales because it's a heavy sales pitch. Yes, the sales that pitch. Yeah. able to see through and tone down, right? Like and it like establishes but him. Why as did he
1: character. want to be in this Oldsmobile dealership uh or Chrysler dealership looking at a car he can't afford? And I, offer, it's not like the rest of the movie. He was driven by yeah, trying right, to achieve right. a different social standard.
3: I want to offer a theory here at maybe what's going on because um you know the the guy the guy who Rob Morrow plays uh Richard Goodwin who wrote the. The wrote book the book. It's based on, but he also co-produced it. So, like, oh, yeah, I kind of feel yeah. Like there's a little bit of, and I don't, I, I'm not trying to shade this movie at all because it is a good movie, but there is a little smell of some vanity stuff, I yes. think, kind yes, of yes, happening yes, yes. in it. A little it. bit of yeah.
0: root, a little rudyism going on in this. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, in, in, yeah. In, in, in the Wikipedia for Quiz Show, it says the artistic liberty section is pretty long. They talk about Joe, Joe Stone, a congressional committee consultant who investigated the scandal for four years, was angered not only by the screenplay spotlight on Goodwin, but also that. As of the film's release, he took most of the credit for uncovering the scandal. Goodwin's <laughs> Goodwin's wife, who do you know, whose wife was I'm fucking wife. Doris Kearns Goodwin, the biographer. Oh shit! Yeah, so she apologized to Stone about the film via telephone. But yeah, it was oh, very much changed to make it to make him a huge important character when he might not have been as huge and important.
3: I don't even. Yeah, do yeah that's why I mentioned I that with that, the book early on because until you I looked that up, times you got to cut people out and simplify and just say like uh, uh, all these people are just represented. But like they did that in Chernobyl, where they took like a whole team of scientists and just condensed it into one person. And, oh,
0: like, and that person the- guess what? All those dudes they condensed were dudes, they condensed them all into one woman who's the sole voice of reason in the thing. I'm like, listen, I know <laughs> you're trying to correct for the past, but like guess what? It just didn't happen in Russia in eighty six. There's yeah, not <laughs> this, sorry. Like it doesn't mean women can't be great nuclear scientists. It just wasn't what happened.
2: Right. Well yeah. I think I think Hunter's right and it hits on something kind of Andy said earlier about I do you think the movie as like a Faustian and Deal kind of moral conflict between like Ralph Fines' character would be a more interesting narrative. Like oh yeah, I, the best part and like the best stuff in this movie uh, for me is like like those monologues I mentioned earlier, and the scene when Ralph Fiennes uh, gets the question he answers earlier as a mm-hmm. surprise in the show, and that like wrestling with it, yeah, and like deciding, and it's it goes into kind of like. Uh, this idea i was talking about last week i figured with like broadcast news about just like lowering your standards one thing at a time
1: yeah yeah that's so yeah just uh, that's so interesting with him because he didn't say i'm gonna be on a show as a cheat for a long time he they like dipped him in tricked him and then kept like yes going further and further they they boiled the frog with him
2: yeah exactly and i think that is such like a more interesting narrative, and then him like, like I can almost see like the Scorsese like Wolf of Wall Street version of this that has like this guy slowly selling his soul more and more, and then yeah, culture rewards him for it, like in the yeah. way like Wolf of Wall Street is about the way like these people don't really face any punishment and they get away with it, and like society doesn't really value that kind of just like.
1: Those those are. This is great. Very fair nitpicks about it that I that didn't like bother me much at the time. But if it had been better, I would have enjoyed even more. Um, one the one thing they did though, if you wanted to show, like as far as showing the depths of Ralph Fiennes' depravity, um, one thing that I think the movie did really well is show how evil he had gotten. Because at the near the end, when he goes to try to tell his father the truth the first time and it doesn't work, um, he drives to Connecticut, sneaks into his dad's house without like letting them know he's coming took found a piece of cake in the refrigerator and ate the whole cake <laughs> he didn't take part of the cake he went to someone else's house and served himself all of the remaining cake and that is so depraved that's privilege though
2: yeah, you know, there's always going to be more cake with him yeah. you know yeah, it's so a sad thing you know <laughs>
0: As long as you can quote Shakespeare while eating it, they'll give you as much cake as you. Yeah, that family seems annoying, right? They sound like the honestly, they sound like the Kennedys. Which is uh, hope this is God. I know we're we're nearing the dismount, but um, yes, as dismounting, let's bring up this part of it. But Rosemary Kennedy, who had the world's one of the world's first lobotomies and became a vegetable, got that lobotomy because she acted up and didn't do things that the Kennedy family expected, such as giving um, presentations at family dinner. They all expected like research a topic and like present it at dinner time. They just had their such a high standard for the their family that if someone just was below that they were treated as mentally deficient and and lobotomized literally that is so fucked up jesus christ
2: his that family sounds awful like even hit well finds his family in this movie but also growing up with a like a dad who's like a vengeful game show host Game show contestant who's constantly quizzing you would also be a that's, nightmare. Oh, that's terrible. I <laughs> oh, yeah. Feel so, yeah. I, I did just keep thinking during everything we showed his son, like that son's going to grow up to be like a great prog rock metal drummer. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't imagine living with a dad who was just constantly asking you tough questions, taking out his shit on you. Uh, that seemed like a nightmare well, as well.
1: Also, in terms of like Goodwin being sort of the hero of the story, like what he went on to do is be one of the head speechwriters for Johnson. And in this book, he talks about how Johnson was paranoid and a manipulator and stupid. And so to, all, to write this book about how you were like leading some of the PR charge for a person who you thought was morally bankrupt
0: oh, yeah.
1: is not great. Uh it does not seem like he's super admirable either. So I guess we do end up kind of in a place where like everybody sucks a little bit in this movie. Um, also, except for oh. Doris Kearns Goodwin <laughs> who is brilliant and everything she says to Rob is like, "Yeah, get him."
2: Yeah. I mean, it is kind of about like, you know, simply dipping your toe and living in the American society is going to soil a part of your soul like inherently. Like no mm-hmm. one gets out scot-free That's in this fair. movie. every character, just by process of living here, you, know, you know, comes out with slightly less of the soul intact.:
1: I think that is a perfect place mm-hmm. to end the episode thank you so much for listening we will be back again next week with more read and weep we have a bunch of letters we have a big full mailbag that i really want to get to and we just don't have the time today uh but next week we will definitely get to some of the mailbag um i have so much to talk about that um i can't wait to share with you guys who haven't seen it yet including a text from my dad so we got um, (laughs) some feedback from my dad about the show last week so we'll get to all of that next week um if you have uh, if you're if you're not yet you can become a meat buddy by going to meetreon.com and if you're a meat buddy and you have an idea of what we should watch for our holiday extra special uh episode you can vote for that right now on our patreon page um, also you can send us an email podcast at readdes.com with any feedback that you have you want your email to be in a potential episode if you want it to be sitting in my document of emails i want to read you could do that um i have read all of them i just haven't told anybody else about them so anyway they're in the bag but i'll get to more of them later okay uh thanks for being here anthony it's great yeah, it's chatting a with lot you of fun. hunter thanks for hanging out such Hi, a pleasure so
2: oh, man, i hadn't
1: <laughs> heard that i hadn't heard your voice changer yet i thought Deep maybe it bro- was fixed uh, and uh, Andy Wood, the host of a, a bunch of things that you've mentioned already, but um, I think a a great place to start is probably Science, the podcast that is, according to the late Alex Trebek, something about comedy and something about science. <laughs>
0: I should just change the yeah. That's that's what it should be in yeah, iTunes now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exact whatever his exact quote was should be your iTunes description. That's great. Um, but a very good listen, and um, you and Kirsten are great, uh, and and also very uh, very interesting. You get uh, you actually have something to talk about, which I admire in a podcast.
0: <laughs> as do you. Thanks. For, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me. Um, on. I'm,
1: yeah, it was so fun playing with you. Um, and I will. I'm going to uh, have Matt on, and, and as soon as I can come up with a good reason to talk to him about something in particular, but. Uh, congratulations again. I hope you so. Oh, uh, you, you made a, I, I did not know how the tournament champions works. There's I, a chance I don't you know how be? it
0: works. Right now, oh, I'm okay. I'm like 10th or 11th on the list of 15 people, and if I can survive and not get knocked off that list when whatever they, oh, des- okay. they decide this period ends, I'll be in it. I, I who knows? Who knows? Oh,
2: okay. How big is still the for the tournament?
0: They allow 15 people. You can go to the Jeopardy site right now and see who who the current top 15 are, and I'm 10th or 11th. But I don't know when they stop. It's been more than a year since one of those people was. I don't know when the season is defined. So,
1: oh, interesting. Hope,
0: well hope, fingers crossed. But you know, if, yeah, if I all hope if you all do. I got was those four, it was pretty pretty amazing. It pretty like and change.
1: and um, there's not a lot of places I can tell people to go watch your run, no. which uh was uh, November 16th through 20th, 16th to 20th. Um, but uh, if you wait until the uh, Andy Wood series appears on your Netflix Jeopardy, I, I don't
0: think it's ever going to oh, happen. Those are all at least five game winners, unfortunately. Uh, so
1: yeah also sometimes it's because the, the person died right afterwards oh, so yeah that's, anyway so yeah, hopefully you don't get to be in one of those yeah. um, but uh, anyway really great talking to you everybody if you can find a way to acquire those episodes you should definitely watch them because it was good fun and you're a great contestant all right we'll talk to everybody next week goodbye
2: Pssh. bye bye